right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up Podcast. Solly here, back in the kill house after a, uh, a week off. TC, want to thank you and the boys for holding down the fort last week. Delightful listen. Hello, how are we? I'm great. I'm great. I'm glad I'm glad you made it back. I'm very glad to be back. Because, uh, you know, you've been flying American, been testing. I think you're, I'm gonna, you may need to, you know, apologize for, they, they're pitching a perfect game so far this year for me. And we're climbing up in status. It's been, it's been incredible. Just, it's been I just remarkable. Hope it, I hope it continues. You're playing you, with fire. No, you do not hope. You literally said, I cannot wait until you get burned. Like that was your an actual text you sent me. So bad or sick guy joining us on the line, Mr. Kevin Van Valkenburg from ESPN. Hello, KVV. Good morning, fellas. I don't, why do you talk about a perfect game? Now you know that's always kind of the next. I've been uh, tempting fate. Flight you take. It's gonna happen. No, we all know KDV, it. KVV. Every time he gets an upgrade on them. Oh, got another upgrade. Like I, I'm not judging American on the strength of their upgrades. You want to talk to Shane Bacon about American losing his his bag or Oof. BA losing his bag on the way to Edinburgh? Like there's there's horror stories out there. Horror stories. Yeah. I want to give a shout-out to our friends at Callaway Golf. At the Callaway and the St. Andrews Lynx, they have a, a strong, successful partnership. For over a decade, they've been working together to support initiatives such as the St. Andrews Lynx Junior Golf Association. And in this run up to the 150th Open, uh, they put together a project uh, that's going to showcase, that has showcased the talent of the young people in town and engages with the community in a way like we've never seen before. Callaway has traditionally created limited edition tour bags for each of golf's major championships, both on the men's and women's tours. And so they combined budding artists from two local schools, Ma uh, Madras College and St. Leonard's. They were commissioned by Callaway and St. Andrews Links to design a St. Andrews-inspired golf bag. There are 10 finalists, and, and uh, ultimately a winner is selected Tomorrow, uh, by the time you're listening to this, it may already be selected. So you can go check out the Big Bag Trail on Instagram. Keep your eyes open for uh, the winning bag being revealed Monday, 1 p.m. Eastern. I may know what, which one it is, and it is freaking sweet. And you also see it on the uh, on the players' bags this week. So I still have I still have some sick Callaway head covers from the last old course uh, thing that uh, we got from from our friend Chad that I, I still rock a little bit. That's a it's a fun one fun memory to look back to think about. We we. We met seven years ago this week, Sully. That's insane. I, uh, I forgot that was the first time we actually hung out. We got some some great stories that we're happy to tell on air and some that may never reach air. But uh, <laughs> I am sorry that I missed our 6 a.m. tea time at the uh, Castle Course. because I did, I did see KVV recommended the Castle Course today on, <laughs> online. You know, I wanted to just make sure people got out there to see it, you know, to see if they shared Doke's view of a uh, zero rating out of 10 uh, in, the, in Doke's book. So... It, it it was totally fine. The castle course is totally yeah. fine. It, it's great not, views. Not, definitely not a zero. No, it's it's that that rating's obnoxious. It shouldn't have the name. But a zero Andrews. is not a one, right? Or like a zero is, is yeah. It's like this should have never been made. Which yeah, that it's extreme land. It's not yeah. Whatever. It it's very much okay. It was perfect for like open championship week when you need to get around in. Which I've we did never, at six p.m. I've never played it before, and I don't think I want to play it just because I want the mystery <laughs> out there. I think it's more fun that way. Uh, Xander Shoffley wins his second start in a row at the Scottish Open, plus the J.P. McManus Pro-Am. Why does it so feel... So, really, that's his third. So, so his third start in mm -hmm. a row. Yeah, if we're counting the Pro-Am. 
Why does it feel like this run? The field, yeah. Why does it Strength feel like the field this? field McManus Pro-Am is huge. <laughs> <laughs> they don't get world ranking points. We're going to talk some OGR here later on. Oh. But why does it feel way quieter? Why does this run feel way quieter than like what Scheffler did this winter? That's a good question. Because <laughs> I, I think there's so much other shit going on. I, I legitimately think it's the spot in the calendar where golf has just been kind of going on for a while. We're in the major swing, and the majors kind of only really are the only thing that matter at this point, and it's just harder to get excited about. But this is a bit, this is a big win, and I think we do need to – I'm wondering if that changes how we evaluate are you, Xander. Are you – you were labeling this a, a big dick event. Strength of field this week was 624, like the strongest ever for the Scottish Open. That's a big dick event. National Open, too. It's a National Open with actually good players in it, which is different than your normal National Open. KVV, I'm curious to get your take here because I think for me – like, I really respect and like Xander. I don't know if I get excited about him, and I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I think some of this comes down to strength, like kind of spot on the calendar and everything else that's going on with Liv and all that stuff. And then yeah. I think some of it comes down to Xander himself, right? I think a huge part of it is personality-driven. Like, also, like if you're comparing it to Scheffler, if Xander had won, say, the PGA and then had backed it up with two more wins, you'd be like, oh, every win is just another like exclamation point on what a heater this is on. But like... If you've never done it before and you've sort of been, you know, absent in majors for a while, it just sort of feels like, okay, well, big whoop. Like, none of this is privy much to me. I, I do think, like, Xander's swing to me is, like, so beautiful and so sort of technically perfect, but his personality is, like, so kind of boring and just nothing about it really, like, makes me feel anything. Like, I, there's no way. I would never hate Xander Shuffley. Like, and, but I don't know that I could ever love him because it just doesn't, like, inspire emotion one way or another right and I, I maybe that would change if like he won a major and he, he sort of let some of that emotion go and i'm sure like if he were to win at the old course it would be it, it completely like a lot of that would spill over he's obviously worked super hard to you know kind of get back to the point where he's winning again after what the three-year drought that he didn't win a a, a tournament so i just but i it just doesn't make me feel anything right it's like when you hear a song that just makes you kind of go, eh, whatever. Like, I want to feel something, love or hate, or not, just not indifference. I think he does have a, a better personality than maybe people give him credit for. He's a more interesting dude. Like, if, you, if, you, too. if yeah. you've heard him in, like, long-form long, long form interviews, he is interesting. I just don't think his playing style or his demeanor on the course is that exciting. It's almost it's never must-see. So solid. It, yeah. It's almost never must-see TV. That's not a, honestly not a knock on him. It's just, like, yeah. uh, he – and I think it's feeling like this little run here where he wins Travelers, wins this – is kind of helping, I think, helping quiet and put an offset a bunch of close calls he's had where, you know, his record was just, his winning record was just slightly under what we would expect from him for what he puts together week to week. And it feels like this win kind of catches him up on that pace. And it's no longer, you can't really have the knock on him. He doesn't win enough. Seven PGA Tour wins. Yes, one of them's a team one. But still, that's, and I know there's some limited field ones in there and all that stuff. And then seven, but seven tour wins plus an Olympic gold medal, I think changes the conversation around him. He seems to get it done when he's, when he's in the mix, you know? I'm glad that he like went back. Remember when he was like putting cross-handed or he was like putting with the arm lock briefly? He was like one of the better putters in the world. Yeah. And he all of a sudden decided, well, if arm lock is the way to go, then I guess I should do that too. And then completely kind of jammed up his putting for, you know, a couple of majors, like just trying to find something that wasn't necessary. Like you're, you're already good enough, man. You just need to sort of figure out a way to close it. So at least he's back, like putting like a normal person, which was is that quite beginning good. of last year, or was that the year? Yeah, I think that was Masters last year. Was it? Or yeah, it was like it was right when Bryson. You know, Bryson messed up Rory's game. He messed up Xander's too. Apparently, I mean, I feel like that was part of it. Was like 
the things that Bryson was doing was making all kinds of people be like, oh, well, I guess if until they outlaw this, like I'm going to kind of do this. And, you know, so he, you know, I, I remember it was right before a major. He was like, yeah, I'm just going to put, our, you know, it was right before Tory, I think. Uh, yeah, it was, you're exactly right. It was U.S. Open uh, June 2021. He started tinkering with, with the arm lock, but. I, like I, I think Scotty might be a pretty good comp. I mean, obviously they're different ages and everything, but like you said, KVV. I mean, Scotty, you know, had a, a lot of a lot of success last year, but without the wins. And then he knocks off Phoenix. He knocks off API. Knocks off Match Play. I'm st- and then I'm still here trying to convince you that Scotty's Scotty's for real. And then he wins the Masters, and it was like, whoa. <laughs> He's here now. <laughs> yeah. I'm still, yeah. You're, it was me that needed convinced, not Randy. That's that's definitely that's definitely the one. I don't right? think Randy's convinced yet. He's even. still not. He, I think he feels I validated test. by the fact that he missed the cut at the PGA. He couldn't back it up. Yeah, I mean, Scotty's got a, a second at Colonial, a T18 at, at, at Canadian Open, a T2 at the U.S. Open, and then T13 at Travelers <laughs> since he's, like, you know, kind of, become the man somebody said a, t- a question in like questioning like you know is has scotty cooled off like are we worried about scotty it's like no i think i think we're fine i am worried about him on links golf because it was alarming that he didn't know that saint andrews was in scotland as of like as of like Ryder cup time he didn't he thought it was in ireland and so i think it's safe to say he does not have a ton of experience but there's a lot of guys missed the cut this past week he was one of them um but i i I don't want to say he's going to be in my picks of not to win this week, but I am a little worried that he's not gotten over the curve. Of, hey, uh, I would of say at least he golf. didn't think it was the one in, in New York. True. Right? My 10-year-old uh, has decided to call him Scotty Shuffler because he shuffles his feet so mm. much, and she's just getting to the point where she wants to drop nicknames on people, so she would, would want me to throw that out there. So, I kind of yeah. like that. I think <laughs> yeah. she'd fit right in. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I will say this about Xander today: the the shot he hit into sixteen, and we we can talk some Renaissance Club here. But the shot he hit into sixteen that was a that was a big, big, big boy golf shot, drawing it and hit into the center of the green, a tough back right pin that he couldn't miss right, and an easy two putt to get, to open up the two shot lead. And that's key because Xander tends to give you he tends to give you that moment back, give you a shot back. And he also had an eight-footer for par on 17 that has felt like the putt that he misses every single time. And he makes that one, which ended up setting up the 18th hole that allowed him to play it the way he wanted to, takes iron off of it, goes iron, iron to the front, chips on, and then two putts it when he, that's all he had to do to win it. Um, I I like the play on 18 going iron and just avoiding the bunkers at all costs to say um, that that was one of the few times it felt like a real good links course just because – um, you know, you, you could probably see images of Adam Scott at Lytham going through your head of how fast this can turn if you end up in the wrong spot. It's super rare that he, I mean, he gave those three shots back, like six, seven, and nine, bogeyed those. Two of them are part three, so just a couple bad swings there. And it's like very rarely do you see a guy give it away middle of the round like that and then bounce right back. And, you know, he, he came in and played the back nine, one under, really, really two under. I mean, I don't think 18 is really... Right. Like, like that was a conscious decision to make a bogey there and take the double out of play. But, yeah, just an impressive kind of performance of some grit and resiliency down the stretch, I think. Well, and plus, running down Tr- Cam Tringali is not easy. And he was 11 shots back of him on day one. And uh, I, I I know you're you're flabbergasted by that. I'm blown away. Cam Tringali, Boutros, Boutros, Tringali shoots 61. <laughs> and then he shoots 72, 74 to basically, like, he's he's, you know, Top top twenty barely, and then he looks like he's gonna fall apart, and he shoots seventy today to finish T six and get back in it. 
what a performance for the backdoor top 10. <laughs> he shoots a first round 61 and then still and manages to backdoor a top 10. That's incredible. <laughs> I, t- I texted you during the week. He heard you were talking to the death panels that was getting mo- grown momentum in the Senate. And all of a sudden he was like, oh, I got to really step it up here. I don't want to get death paneled by, by uh, Tron's committee here. <laughs> at no point did I think he was going to win. Oh, gosh, Like, at no. no point was it, no. you know, it was like, all right, like, you're totally irrelevant here, dude. <laughs> what a weird leaderboard for such an amazing field. There are some huge names. I'm wondering if that kind of goes with maybe a, a muted excitement level around Xander's win. Also, it just wasn't that exciting today. Like, there just wasn't, you know, it felt kind of cluttered broadcast-wise and not, not a great flow to it. And uh, that snuck up on him. Tom Kim almost won this tournament, and they they showed like two of his shots <laughs> on the back nine. And I think after, shortly after that, they they threw in there that they were using the DP World feed, and it was not they were not at the uh, at the at the helm, if you will, of the camera shots. Well, I know Tom Kim's played a lot of Asian Tour events as well, so maybe they're trying to kind of neutralize the Asian <laughs> Tour important. as well. <laughs> <laughs> So, which I mean, you could you could argue that, to Mr. Kim's family, but we were using the DP World Tour feed. You can't blame this. Kim on is it. Kim. I I, I think uh, he's what Solly would label a manipulator. You literally <laughs> sent it to our group chat today. Like this is some high level manipulation. And then I go on Twitter, and he's like, Solly would totally call this guy a manipulator. Like he literally is. <laughs> I'm feeding you, man. <laughs> it, like yeah, he's risen in the world rankings through Asian Top Tour. Top fifty now. It's insane, right? Now do you see the issue with this? I, yeah, I'm seeing it a little bit, but I mean, he's a big talent. Flip side, Rasmus T10. You okay. know he's doing it. Wow, this is this is early for <laughs> down the leaderboard part of the part of the uh, of the podcast. But we haven't talked Kitayama yet. Kitayama played really freaking nice. 66, uh, half a half a Mackenzie Hughes bogey on 17. Kind of kind of killed him there, but you know, like easily could have been a playoff. He, uh, I think he, I'm forever resigned to the. Uh, he, he, I'll, I'll give Randy this one. He doesn't pass the eye test for me because his follow-through makes it look like every shot he's trying to save one from going right. So even when he's striping it, it looks like he's band-aiding it together. And, God, he's got, he's got a super weird record. He's missed 10 of 15 cuts this year, has two solo seconds. Sorry, now, now he's missed 10 of 16. Has two solo seconds, or a T2, a solo second, and a uh, solo third in his record. Like he's the true microwave man. Good luck trying to pick when he's going to get hot. But when he does get hot, he is he is flames. I didn't realize that Kurt until today that Kurt was is from the same hometown as my dear friend Aaron Rodgers. Why it feels like you know we there got to be plenty more talk about that. How much did Aaron Rodgers influence Kurt Kitayama's uh, game? Like you know they're like seven years apart. Come on, I would say Kurt Kurt's got he's got experience in these in these big dick national opens too. He Solo does. second at the magical Kenya Open in twenty twenty one. That's huge. <laughs> so you want to talk a little speeth? I know we got more down the leaderboard that we got to well, get to, uh, but yeah, that feels like a story. We just got to give a shout-out. Cantlay, like, he's definitely not going to win next week. Good Bar texted me this morning and said, Cantlay's going to win at St. Andrews. I'm like, he's absolutely not going to win. Uh, Fleetwood, 67-67 on the weekend. Good good. A little weekend. revival. For you want to acknowledge it? Him, right? Great, great play. 73 in the first round. Kind of fought his way back. I, I You know, you, you, you made fun of his putt on 18 there. I just said it was not going to go in. <laughs> like it was never going to go in. They tried to like, build up the story that maybe minus five was going to be good enough, and he had a putt for it. Listen, I you know I'm trying to. He he parred both the par fives on the back. Uh, if we could have gotten one of those, I think you know like again, all of us on his team were a little bit worried about the putting, but hopefully it turns around. He was 17th in strokes game putting this week. He had a, he had, a, he had a, a solid putting week. It's been an issue this year. I yeah. think it's good to see it. You know, kind of. 
kind of normalized. Is that where do you feel like Tron the, the biggest drop off in his game has been the last few years? Is putting? I mean, I haven't paid close enough attention to it, but it it always strikes me as like, why isn't Tommy Ladd better? Like he, I think he like his driver got pretty pretty squirrely, I think, for a little bit there. But I think it's been mostly the putting. I mean, the the iron play seems to be as good as ever. I mean, he's having a a, a little bit of a bounce back year. He's plus one point one seven in strokes gained for the year. His best seasons were one point seven and one point nine in eighteen and nineteen. So he's he's not returned to that level of play, and he's actually having statistically one of his better putting years. But he was a a premium premium ball striker both off the tee and with approach. And both of those things, just numbers wise, have regressed back to like above average, but just barely above average. So um, yeah, I, I think I think with him too, there's got to be something where and it's probably a lot of these guys too. Like that's why I give Fitzpatrick a ton of credit. Like the guys that have kind of played a split schedule and gone back and forth, and like that's not easy, mm-hmm. right? And it's totally like two totally different styles of golf, or really three totally different t- styles of golf when you factor in all the other places that the Euro Tour, DP World Tour goes now. As well, so you know, I mean, some of that's like, it's like he came into this year. I don't think he had PGA Tour card, right? Or he had he, he had limited status. I don't think he had full status. That sounds right. Um, and, and and granted, now he's up to 59th in the FedEx Cup, and it's you know, and then you know, I'm sure there's all sorts of people that are going to argue he's going to live or whatever. He's been one of the names names du jour. We'll get to that. I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm. I, I don't know what to believe anymore. I, I, I when the speed stuff rumors started to happen this week, I was like, guys, what is going on out here? Secret tour pro, like, get the hell out get of here! Get out of here! All the I, golf I, monthly, get out of here! I'm gonna put a fatwa yeah. on all the tracker and Legion accounts. They too. they like, spread every rumor and just get, like Rory Tracker, Speed, you know, Speed Legion, Rory Legion, Rom Legion. Get get out of here! You guys are are a bane of of golf. Well, with, but like. Golf Monthly was the source of that, really. They were the ones that they were saying Golf Monthly reports that Spieth is now rumored, and uh, it it yeah it obviously was shut down very 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 quickly. Um, but it's just it, it is a product of how Liv is doing things, and we'll talk some on the back half of just like throwing these rumors out there to get people talking about it and get players doubting each other and turning on each other, and it's working for the most part. And there's some like rumors out there that are absolutely like there's. There's fire there right. as well, but there's some that are just total bullshit. Yeah. So continuing to go out of the leaderboard before we get to Spieth. Uh, Jamie Donaldson sighting. <laughs> wow. What? <laughs> yeah. He got in the open. T6. How about it? He may be uh, he may be Ryder Cup, uh, you know, eligible again before <laughs> this is all said and done. If if the Euros just are really scraping the ball of the barrel. They're looking for some experience. Jamie Donaldson might get a call up. Somebody did send a tweet in. I'm hoping it was joking. Wonder if I was getting worried about the European Ryder Cup team because J- Jamie Donaldson was back. I'm going to assume that was a very well crafted <laughs> joke. And if it wasn't, please reevaluate. Uh, Speaking of priorities. of. Uh, European Ryder Cup team, Matt Fitzpatrick in good form heading into next week. This is a week where I feel like it is kind of important to go down the leaderboard because it shows who's in a little bit of form. Yeah, I I, I want to talk about that with Renaissance. Like, I don't know. Can we not call it Renaissance? Can we, can we just call it Renaissance? I don't want to call it Renaissance. Isn't it Renaissance? It though? is Renaissance, okay. but I don't want to give him that. It, that. Has it always been Renaissance? This is the first year that I remember anyone actually, I thought that was like a joke that people were saying that, like the shotgun start guys saying schedule. Like that, but it's I actually it is Renaissance. But for years it seemed like it was Renaissance. I think. Oh, I think it's just just to Americans, it's Renaissance. But the Scots and the Brits call it Renaissance, and it's like I'm not going to do that. Okay, right? that's fair. It's like Randy insists upon calling Wimbledon Wimbledon. 
<laughs> and I'm I'm gonna call it I'm gonna call it the Renaissance Club. Okay. Okay. That that works fine. I don't feel strong enough either way to 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 fight you on that. But it is I, I don't know and I and I look back to it like Morikawa last year played this course very poorly and then went over yeah. and won at St. George's and it's just it's a links it's a links course by all technicalities. It's just not a great one, I don't think. And it's I don't links really, adjacent. It's link it's it's not quite as you know I would call Kings Barnes and Castle Stewart like modern links, but more natural links than this is. And we we can talk about some of that. And I think there's more positives to this course that I do want to start with as well. But to your specific point, I you don't, don't put I don't put a, too it. much stock in it. I really don't. And especially before the old course, that is just such a totally different test than any even any of the other open road courses. That there's nothing I saw this week that you know any of the guys that missed the cut them playing bad there does not change much of anything for me. So I'm totally enthused. Cam Smith, 68, 75, 68, 67, like probably three of the best rounds of the tournament, and then the 75 in there. So like that's good form. Finishes T10 besides shooting 75. I mean that's that's sweet. I know I, I need some help. I need you guys to tell me how I should feel about Spieth because it. It doesn't look like a guy that even finished tenth this week. I it's I don't know how he did it. Uh, I when he made double after making the birdie on thirteen, went over and doubled fourteen, and he that <laughs> sums up the entire Jordan Spieth experience. But I didn't feel anything when that happened, and that's what makes me nervous. I'm wondering if I've resigned myself to this stuff happening at this point, or if I just wasn't as invested in his performance this week, knowing what's on the horizon for this coming week, but. I don't know. I, I don't feel great about it. I don't feel like when he stands over an eight footer that he's gonna make it and that he's getting ready to go go ape shit this coming week, which takes a lot for me to say that. I was trying to think back about how we felt when we were there in fifteen and it just it felt there wasn't the scar tissue then, right? Like not wasn't we didn't have the scar tissue, Jordan didn't have the scar tissue, Greller didn't have the scar tissue. <laughs> like that felt like a guy who's gonna make every fifteen footer. And you knew like there's, just there's no was downside happen, like when he yeah. Yeah. When he made that putt on 16 at St. Andrews on the, to sort of tie the lead briefly, like you felt like, God, of course he was going to make that unbelievable double breaking putt because he just does those things. And I just don't have those kind of feelings anymore. I mean, it's possible that he could recapture it, but it's like that's the difference, you know, over the last few years of like him at Carnoustie. Like I didn't really believe that much at Carnoustie and I didn't really believe that much at St. George, but I believed back then, even though he was, it was, you know, finished in the same kind of way of all these, uh, all, all these uh, majors. It's just, I don't know. He, he, look, the dude can think his way around things and he loves the kind of golf that it's like an uneven lie. So this ball's gonna, you know, I got to hit a, this of a cut lie and I, I got to try to draw it in there and the wind is going to do this to it. I have a lot of faith in him to do those kind of things and to th like use the sort of brain that you need to do to get your way around the old course. But I don't have a lot of faith in him, like holding all those things together. It just always feels like I think years ago I was like, it's like a, watching a guy riding a unicycle down a flight of stairs. Like it's amazing <laughs> as a feat, but you just don't see how it can be sustained forever. Like it's it, you know that like there's only two or three people in the world who can do that. But you're constantly expecting it to crash and burn. And sometimes it truly does crash. Well, he doesn't look like he believes he's going to make an eight-footer. That's yeah. the part that gets me. He's quick walking so fast that it's like, dude, that ball's not coming off your putter face right. And it hasn't for a while now, especially mm -hmm. when like he needs it. 
in major championships. I don't even know exactly how the numbers shake out as far as his whole season putting. It doesn't seem like overall it's been an enormous problem. Like the only thing holding him back, like there's plenty of golf shots that go wayward that hold him back also. Yeah, the shot on 14. Oh my God. What the fuck was that? Uh, his putting is negative 0.12 this year, which is the lowest of his uh, entire professional career, as I say that. But it just, uh, it, 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 there's, fl- there's flashes of brilliance throughout it. And it, the, the exchange with Greller earlier this week on the uh, the par three was at nine or what hole was that that he's he's saying like it there's was the short one it was uh, uh, so there's no way that's gonna get there this it was, isn't gonna, it was six I think this isn't gonna get there blah 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 this is not enough club ball <laughs> hits it it's like that's forty yards short and it's it lands a hundred yard high. shot it lands pin high and I just I'm like dude how are you how how yeah again how is this sustainable how do you keep this level of like paranoia or energy up you know, for 72 holes, and it turns out he doesn't. It just, it, it's, it, it can't be sustained. It's like when I go to the grocery store, and I, and I just pick up a basket, and I'm there for four things, and by the end of it, I have, you know, two <laughs> gallons of milk and, like, meat spilling over the top of the basket and mangoes, and I've spent $200 at the grocery store, and it's all, I'm like, how am I going to get this stuff to the checkout lane, man? <laughs> uh, we are we got a little more Scottish here to talk, but we are about to turn the page over to, uh, of course, a major championship. Major golf means major winnings. DraftKings Sportsbook is your place for action during golf's final major in Scotland. New customers can bet just $5 and get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. Tron, who do you like for next week? Just kidding. We are we do not have time for that. We Waco not- Neiman. <laughs> oh, really? I like Waco. That's interesting. Okay. Uh, yeah. Can you? Who are you not? Who are you close to taking, but are not going to take? Probably wrong. That we don't have time <laughs> for. So, if sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still hit the course for cash with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Golf Contest. I'm going to have about 18 lineups this week. I have a feeling. I've been saving up. It's easy to play. Just pick six golfers, stay under the salary cap, lock your lineup before pros hit the first hole. Everyone can play for over $10 million in prizes. So don't miss the thrills of golf's final major. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. New new customers use code NLU at sign up. Bet just $5 on the tournament and get $100 in free bets. Win or lose, that's code NLU. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So on the renaissance front, a um, couple more shout-outs. Okay. Um, I did say, well, I, I am bullish on Waco okay. next week. He, he finished T16. Uh, the pro, Max Homa, T16 as well. Kind of stumbled on the back nine today. Uh, played played that in four over, but otherwise was, you know, right up near top top two, top three most of the day today. You, you know, just guys that finished outside, say, the top 40, you just got to feel a little bit like, man, like I I would feel a little bit deflated if I was those guys. Like Ricky shot 75 today. Rom didn't play well. Like you made the cut. Like you would have been so much better off missing the cut and just hanging out at St. Andrews Saturday and Sunday, getting a lot of work done, kind of like what JT's been doing, like what Kat's been doing, um, you know, instead of like traipsing around at the Renaissance Club. Yeah, I thought we were in the midst of a Ricky Renaissance, uh, just because <laughs> I think he, we're getting he close, seemed like man. he'd been playing better lately. I was kind of getting my hopes up that you know he would find it, and uh, just it's can't put four rounds together, man. Can't it's having a hard enough time putting three rounds in a row together. So. I'm rooting for him, man. He's uh, yeah, he, he's he's down to 124th on the FedEx Cup. He's like almost the bubble boy. Jesus, he's wild. got exemptions. I, he's still exempt, right? Though doesn't he have a is he a stacked win? I think he has like a career money exemption. I think career right. money he could use. Yeah. Also, I think he, I thought he has another um, 
because he won in 19 on top of another win that stacked an exemption of, of some kind. Stacking, so. you, you can stack exemptions and discounts on the PGA Tour. You can't stack them in, in Shopify. <laughs> so we were talking some about Renaissance this week, and, and I just had mentioned to you, TC, that like, I, I'm, I think I'm going to struggle to say out loud what I don't like about it. So I was like, you know what? Maybe that's a sign. Maybe that. Maybe I'm too hard on it. Um, and I wanted to just start with some things that like do work about it. And this was the first Scottish Open that they've had the right conditions. That they've got some wind and a firm golf course. That ball. The first Scottish Open in a while. It with at, 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 Rena- at, at Renaissance. At, yeah. And and it. So we got to see what the golf course is capable of. Obviously, the scores were not nearly as low as they have been in the past. A solid links test. A good. You know, the elements of links golf are all there. Do I think like the design of the holes is great? Do I think the green contouring is very good? Do I think it exemplifies what I love about Scottish golf and Lynx golf. No, I do not. But it got, you know, there's the bad bounces. It had guys flighting down shots off, you know, the special special turf over there, you know, trying to get them out of the wind and thinking about where to land it and, you know, have to whatever, think about this bunker because it's super penal. All that was there. You know, the putting's not perfectly, the, the greens are not perfectly pure and the ball doesn't just roll right in the center of the hole like it does in a lot of PGA Tour golf. Flipped over to the Barbasol after that and it was like, it was jarring to be like, okay, that obviously there's, this is such a better style of golf to watch. And I just you're, wanted you're saying to, you're saying the barbasol is such a better style. Yeah, of course. <laughs> no, it's just like seeing the ball. You know those elements in play. Um, I just hate that it goes to a private, you know, American go- uh, Scottish golf course that does not exemplify what makes golf over there very special. But it this felt like I the think that's actually sport. part of the problem. So I, know, I yeah. can say because I think that like the people who want to be part of a private course in that area or probably don't like some of the quirks or whatever or they just want to go out and be able to play it a little bit less penal or whatever you know they're the you know north barrack is not exactly what they're looking for like and so that's i think part of the thing i think the problem with renaissance is that it's not bold enough like it should be there should be more quirky things to it right like i you know i don't know whether doke fought and, and got pushed back on by the membership or whatever but it doesn't seem like he had uh, sort of carte blanche to do whatever he wanted and so it's there's some of it is just like a little too subtle for like what i mean it's it's one thing if you're subtle in your mirfield but not it's just as in it ain't mirfield baby yeah it's, and, it's, and it's on the same land as mirfield, yeah it, it i wouldn't i just don't think the greens are subtle they kind of just have the the doke random humps and bumps that frustrate me when i play his courses that they're not yeah. really themed, and they don't really, you know, the kind of balls end up collecting in all the same spots. Like watching all the balls go left of seventeen yeah. today, the fairway on thirteen like repelled balls and and pushed everything into the same spots, and it, it's just the design of the holes. Again, this is where I'm struggling to like explain it very good, but like the design is just not that interesting. Like the holes just aren't. Oh, I can't wait to see if he covers that bunker or if he gets around to this pin and uses the slope to kick it it's on. It's not a whole lot of character. Right. Like it, it, it's. Like to me, it's the it's the idea of a links course, without the soul of a links course. Yes, right. Yes. And and you could probably say the same thing about Dundonald, where they had it in twenty seventeen. It reminds well. me of Dundonald a lot. But of course, there's reasons. Like you yes. know, like all the people on Twitter, like when you say any of this, they're like, "Well, you know what? Like, there's a reason they have it here." Of course, like I understand that the sponsors want it near Edinburgh, and you know, they like it's probably more advantageous from a financial perspective to have it at a private course that's not you know garnering a ton of play anyway like it's not like you're you're you know having a bunch of visitor play that's going to get displaced by it and you're and you're taking a million dollar loss 
like, like I guess happened to Gullen a few years ago. But it just seems frustrating to me that they can't move this thing around. And I mean, even like do Royal Aberdeen, Castle Stewart, Loch Lomond, and then make this like kind of make it like a mini Rota, right? I think for golf fans, of course, which is where we always try to come from on these things, that makes so much sense. And it is just an inevitability of pro golf that it's infrastructure and all the all the things that make pro golf not that fun that are going to cause it to go back to renaissance for a long time. Some of it too, like wouldn't you think with, especially with the quote unquote strategic alliance and how, you know, if they really did focus on making this an elevated event, making the TV product great, increasing ratings here in the States, um, like wouldn't you think that it's less about the gate and the, the on-site spectating and more about the TV product and, and making money off of that? And I think that would, you know, kind of be the sale or be the sell for, you know, for going to more varied venues and cooler venues and more visually arresting venues. And, and, you know, and then, and then you can talk about, you know, whether like, like rolling back the ball, that brings a hell of a lot more interesting venues into the mix too, you know? Yeah. I'm kind of resigned at this point. I believe it is understood that this is going to, renaissance for another five years i believe it's 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 not it's not moving so i'm um, uh and it's, it's literally like the greatest golf country in the world and it's just gonna not be played on an interesting golf course and it's it's tough it's, which uh, i will say to be fair to the scots this course is like 150 times better than last week's irish open venue yes that's what i'm saying it's like it's it's like it's like uh you know it's like pizza and sex right even bad pizza and bad sex is still like pizza and sex right like that's what it's still links golf it bad links golf and it's not even bad it's just okay like okay links golf is still links golf and better to watch than the majority of PGA tour events just want to make it's, that very clear it's store brand links golf yeah again I, yeah i guess i think it's more like knockoff than it is uh store brand we were talking to a couple guys like this you know the 7th hole tough Eighth hole, tough. Ten, not so good. Yeah, there's just some weird shit out there. And then you combine it with the shit that they pulled with the setup on Thursday, Friday. Oh, this got TC worked up. I was talking, well, no, like, I didn't even, like, I was kind of tuned out. And then a couple players, a couple caddies who aren't malcontents, they're not guys that are bitching about this in the media or anything. They're like, hey, TC, look into this, man. I started looking into it. (laughs) They show, like, like, because Thursday, Friday should be, Relative, especially like on a Lynx course where wind is sure. a big factor and it should be relatively even between the two. Like you should set it up relatively similarly between so the guys that played in the AM get the, you know, get a similar experience as the guys who played in the PM the day before, you know, and it, it just wasn't that they shortened up, you know, three or four of the down or the, uh, the uh, end of the wind holes by like 200 plus yards total. They, they, demonstrably changed the pin locations to where, you know, shortened those same holes to where it was, you know, back pen went to all the way to the front, you know, 30 or 40 yard difference there. And it just, I don't know. It just pisses me off when they do that. Cause it's like, it, it, it not only like, like the draw is one thing, the draw is the draw, right? Like that's links golf and that's golf in general. It's inherently unfair. And I think like, I like that about golf. It sucks when they exacerbate the draw and they make it more divergent than it needs to be. Yeah, I think in theory it shouldn't, right? I, I I don't fully subscribe to the Thursday Friday setup thing. Should be the same, just because you know you're going to get different conditions no matter what. And I, I think the 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 issue that they had was the 16th hole on Thursday. Like a lot of guys couldn't reach the fairway. 
which I just want to acknowledge is sick. Like that, that's sweet. Like, <laughs> that's truly sick. <laughs> especially Aim the, for way, the walkway, baby. Aim for the walkway. And I, I'm all for that, but make it so that the guys playing the following. I think that they they're like shouldn't. realized they made a mistake and just didn't want to make them. They'd rather not make the mistake two days in a row than make See, it. See, that's like, where I have a problem. Yeah. Like you gotta, you know, you gotta own the mistake for Thursday, Friday, and let the full field get through it. Well, you should, like Lady J did, you should hire a forensic accountant and find out who was to blame for this. Who would get the DMs out, you know, get the, the, the break out the Panama Papers and see who needs the death penalty for this. I, and, and I know this guy, Mike Stewart, who does a lot of the Euro Tour setup stuff. He's, he's probably the one to blame here. But I, I don't know how the strategic alliance works, you know, if the PGA Tour guys are over there and setting it up as well. I do know that some of the players went into the owner Jerry Sar- Sarvati or Savardi or something like that, think, yeah. and you know they were and they were complaining, especially about sixteen and eighteen, uh, and just you know just and then you know he laughed at him and then he got back down the next day and like all right you can't laugh at him if you're gonna come back the next day and do exactly what they bitched at you for. Hmm. You just can't have it, man. What are, what do you guys think, KV? What's your thoughts in reaction on the you know the co-sanctioned element of the first uh, iteration of this on, of the Scottish Open between the PGA Tour and DP World Tour? Uh, I mean, I, I guess I get reasons for wanting to make it sort of a part of the larger discussion. You want more guys to go over and do that. You want to sort of uh, promote some sort of global aspect of of the PGA Tour, right? And um, make it feel like it you know you're not going to lose points uh in the points race if you go over and you're you're part of this so i like it encourage it i didn't uh i know we are not ready to talk about live but i didn't check and see how our guys who sued to get into it uh uh did um not great but, uh, grace was playing yeah. well for a while and then he kind of fell off right i believe so yeah harding had it was up there on, on day one but he he fell <laughs> the fact down. that they paired them all together they had already like made the pairings probably cut, right, yeah. and then they added them into the. They were added onto the field. Poulter was the first time I've ever seen somebody t one fifty seven, and that was Poulter. I think at one point at, at after his round uh, on round one, which was sick. But I am I am way 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 in on the co sanctioned events. I think the more synergy of these, uh, you know, two tours that just makes it, it obviously paid off drastically for how good this field was, the strongest field they've had. And you, you said it right there. Like, if, if guys can go get points for it, and I know we make fun of the points a lot, but it's super hard to, you know, if, if you're blah, 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 let's just say Colin Morikawa, it's harder to, like, justify going over and playing a European tour event if you're not going to go compete for the race to Dubai. And he's a bad example. You know, just name any, you know, Scotty. if you're Scotty Scheffler, like, it's just, why do that, right? Why go play a one-off event you know, and we've seen guys turn those down for the majority of the of the time in the past. Now it's like, well, why would I skip that? Like, it's a big, big money event. There's going to be a lot of world ranking points available, and there's FedEx Cup points available. Like, I, I that gives me hope for um, just a, concurrent things being contested at once. Gives me hope for like a mixed event at some point of like, why can't you have a women's uh, event and a men's event, same tournament, but different point structures going on at the same time. Mm-hmm. It works. It, it just it was seamless. It was just like this is a DP World guy, this is a PGA Tour guy, and they're all competing together, and it just really worked. And I think it, um, it you know, a, a sign for the strategic alliance going forward will be getting these guys together more often and supporting the DP World Tour, which has taken a huge hit over the last ten years. And as more and more guys have gone to play the PGA Tour, and it's been harder for them to justify playing those events, 
This seems like a great way if, to do that. I hope the Irish Open folds into this format. If as well. you are like a, a European player, like you were born in Europe, but you mostly play on the PGA Tour, you better get your ass to the Scottish Open yes. in the future, right? Because like, there's no reason for you, you know, to to not play it. Like, it's just even if you're not even in the British Open, like they're they're you're supporting, you're getting potential FedEx Cup points, and you're supporting the place where you sort of probably came from or probably played your initial bit of golf on the, you know, so I, I, I think it is, it would be good for, you know, the Ian Poulters and the Graham McDowell's of the next generation, right. To sort of, if they're choose to play their, most of their golf in the United States, well, now they have no excuse. You better be getting in, you know, going over there and playing because you know, there's no, you're not losing ground by doing it. Weirdly though, isn't it just to kind of play this out a little bit more, isn't it actually kind of hurting the DP World Tour as well, or potentially hurting the DP World Tour as well when you give, you know, some of these guys points for these co-sanctioned events and they can basically earn their way onto the PGA Tour a little bit easier and, and, and end yeah. up playing their golf full-time? And I think, you know, maybe that's inevitable and in what those guys are after anyway, and it's giving them, you know, another pathway toward it, plus the cards that they're giving, the 10 cards that they're giving. It, it just seems like the Rolex series or these big events seems a bit unsustainable in terms of the, with how weakened their tour has been over the years, that the more chance for crossover, the more, more official world golf ranking points they can earn in these crossover events. It just seems like what the WGCs maybe should have been is, is more like what these events all will be and, and can be. And I just think it, it, things get so scattershot in this point of the year with, you know, the, the European tour is humming a little bit more and the, a lot of the PGA Tour guys are taking time off. It just feels like this this is potentially a week that you can look forward to going forward where it's like we're going to get, you know, as many of these top players together as, as we possibly can. Um, and I don't know. I, I like it. I think it's a good change of pace. So I will say I'm going to raise my hand. I'm going to do this for, for anybody out there, any pros out there that are playing the British Open next year that do not want to play the Scottish Open because they don't feel that this is a great prep for Hoylake next year. I'm going to I'm going to put together a Lynx camp a Lynx golf boot camp of sorts. <laughs> and we're going to we'll go up to Dornick or we'll go, you know, we'll go okay. to the northwest of England or we'll we'll do we'll go somewhere cool and you know, I've already talked to to uh, Joe and Max about it. Uh, they they have not told me if they're in or not. Um, okay. But you know, I mean, I'm in. I, yeah, I'm maybe. Not sure I'm, gonna, I'm not sure I'm going to make it in the British Open field, but I'm in for this. Uh, yeah, and, and listen, you know, like we can do it even before British Open. You know, call it, like yeah. we could we could try to lobby the RNA for a you know one yeah. one spot from this, the best you know performer from this. But no, I think you know doing doing four or five days. At proper links courses, like Cat and and uh, exactly. Rory did exactly. I so, mean, yeah. there was some but, heartwarming but shit, heartwarming shit going on in the world of golf this week. People Just, think I'm kidding. Like I will, yeah. I'm legitimately going to organize this and say if you're a pro golfer and you want to sign up, and we'll have three or four you know non pro golfers on it as well. Let's do it. And Caddy's welcome as well. I love so. this idea. Perfect. Yeah, watching the cat and and Rory go play at Bally Bunyan was very much a like man that that I could. That's just not going to happen again. Like that was a once yeah. in a lifetime thing where those guys are going to go play some links golf together, and uh, you know, I kind of wish that the people had sort of left them alone, right? Like, I yeah, guess if you're you can't you can't even ever take a golf trip where people aren't going to swarm you, or whatever. But I mean, I, the I Irish aren't going to leave you alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I thought it would be kind of fun, just if like I mean, it's funny to think you you know, as Porath tweeted some stuff about back in the you know '90s or early 2000s when he would go with you know amira and and duval and like all these guys would show up and 
you know, there's no social media then. So I'm sure people just couldn't like find them. Right. They were, it was a much more private world to be able to go do that. Hey, let's go play Royal County down. And like, no one finds out about it until sports illustrated runs an anecdote like two weeks later about it. Like I, and then that was actually that time. That was a really interesting thing that that embrace that Omira and Tiger had last week at the at the pro am. Yeah. You see that? Uh-uh. They had a long like a long hug. Somebody filmed it and you know they've they've had kind of a fraught relationship over the last yeah. decade or so. And uh yeah, it was I don't know, it was cool to see and yeah, I mean going back to those trips that they used to take, they used to play you know, all sorts of golf and then they'd go salmon fishing, right? Yeah. They'd do like a bunch of mm-hmm. you know, salmon on flies, which is crazy. Hmm. Yeah, Waterville. I think they did that one of the years. Yeah. And the, the, Tiger does have an affinity for 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 golf in Ireland. And uh, yeah, it's it's just it's why it's super wild to just see him, you know, at ten thirty at night out there with JT on the old course on Saturday night. Like that was just that just again this for a year that's been filled with so much like shitty golf news. Just the uh, the fact that those two, you know, Rory and Tiger went out and played in in, in Western Ireland, and then that he's playing at the old course just for fun. Uh, with a friend of his and a lot of people watching, and you had unbelievable access to just walk the fairways with them. I'm sh- I, it was extremely jealous of the people that were there to be able to watch that because that had to be quite an incredible scene. Kind of brings you back to the soul of the game. And Sean exactly. Zach had a nice, nice article today just about all the guys. Like, uh, he had a little anecdote about uh, Luke List playing from uh, under the the like. There was a car between him. He 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 pushed his ball to the right on 18 at at North Berwick. And he had to play it under a car to like punch it back in, and he didn't get it. And then, <laughs> and he was playing for the course record. Oh, really? So, yeah, yeah. And, uh, which I guess uh, I guess Trevor Illman holds the course record, but he ends up making double and shooting like you know sixty five. <laughs> I hate that. We got a question from Jack French. He said, "Did the coverage today take away from the Scottish's authenticity? Didn't mind the broadcast, but it felt more like the Wells Fargo than a traditional Euro event." I think that's a product of like CBS. It's a good thing some weeks where I feel like they kind of. They make everything feel the same, whether it's the Quad Cities or Charlotte or the PGA Championship or, you know, like everything kind of blends in. So for some of those events like the like the 3M or Memphis or what, like it, it kind of raises the level of those events to where, you know, you feel like you're watching what you watch every week. But then when they do go somewhere different, they do such a poor job of like highlighting the context and the, the uniqueness of the setting. And I think NBC for... You know, granted, CBS has thrown a lot more assets at their telecast, it seems like, just with cameras and manpower and stuff. But for what NBC has been lacking at that the last, you know, say 18 to 24 months, just with budget cuts and stuff, they do do a good job of getting the off-course stuff and getting the high, you know, the high flyovers and just making you feel like you're at that place a little bit more. Well, this is only slightly related. This is in a little bit of diversion. But when's the last time you guys watched – the full 18th hole at Carnoustie with Peter Alis, like doing the commentary for sky. I, if, if you haven't done it in a while, like I, I just watched it like maybe a week ago and it is so uncannily gr- amazing how Alis like kind of predicts everything that's going to happen. Like it is the peak of what year are like you talking? Someone, 99 it, when excuse, Vanderbilt. Yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't uh, Vanderbilt. Like, He's, you know, he's saying, oh, no, don't you, don't you drive. Oh, you, you know, <laughs> and he hits it way right. And he, oh, you know, he's done you know, it now. Oh, oh he's in know, it now. <laughs> I mean, it's it's great. It is like the peak of dry English yeah. announcing. And he, he handles it so well in the moment. And just in really hearing you say that, you know, like that feels to me like a British Open 
when you have, you know, if a Peter Ailis sort of calling it and, and understanding, like just having a great grasp of the moment and golf and like the crowd, like murmuring and laughing as like Vanderbilt's taking off his socks. Like it, <laughs> yeah, you can go back and watch the, like the other, the, I think it was Tariko and Curtis strange where the, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Then Tariko does a very a good job at it, but Ailis is like unbelievable at, at how well he handled. I don't think anybody's ever been better in a huge moment than in the way he did that. Isn't it them. Alice? I was gonna say, is that how you pronounce? You're oh, gonna sorry. get you're gonna get roasted. <laughs> gonna, like if we let it go another time. I was like, wait, have I been the one that's been pronouncing this wrong for <laughs> twenty years? <laughs> I, I'm gonna need a, a renaissance uh, here to go back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, you you guys are 100 percent right. Just, it's one of those th- names that I've probably seen, yes, uh, like written more than I've uh, heard it spoken aloud, and so uh, I don't know. My brain just sort of clicked over to which, yeah, like, like, <laughs> but, like it just feels like like CBS is intent on using the tools and the the template that they have for any you know for any pga tour event and applying this here there's no there's, yeah there's no variables right it just felt it felt a little sleepy and uh and i don't know if that was just the product of the leaderboard or whatnot but it just felt like this event deserved a little different energy than they brought and it was just kind of the same jokes same kind of trying to make each other laugh faldo's faldo's gonna get really 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 <laughs> loose over the next like two to three months because he, he he like he has no incentive to give a fuck anymore right so he's just gonna like he was talking about the you know him sick. winning an audi for a closest to the pin down in south africa they did a big thing with jordan smith he made a hole in one and won a genesis and they're like you ever win a car nick and he's like yeah i won a audi quattro i, I drove it all the way up from through botswana <laughs> and then it got delivered it was a great and then he went out of his great way car. great car great car thank great you genesis car. for sponsoring this event <laughs> great call but yeah, I mean, he's going to um, get loose uh, as shit over the next two or three months just with, like, you know, needling these guys. And really, really two months, right? It's after, yeah. I guess, like like August. I guess, uh, you know, one of the, like, Memphis is probably the last event, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I would, you know, he's talked in his retirement announcement about building a farm in Montana. Like, if hey, Nick, like, if you want to invite me out, you know, we can talk, we can, talk Mon- we can wrap Montana things, you know, go up to the... Uh, he built a, the Wilderness Club. He built up yeah. in Eureka, which is like almost right on the I've border been there. of uh, Canada. Have you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's cool. Was, it's a good oh. spot. It's fine. Yeah. Faldo <laughs> built this course down the street from Prairie Dunes. That uh, it's, it, I mean, it's literally, it's like right down the street from Prairie Dunes. Like same kind of, you know, land and everything like that. They, I think he built it maybe 15, 20 years ago. It's all, it's out of business. They've already like, it's it's totally gone, gone back to seed. And it's like, oh, wow. dude, like, how could you fuck this up so badly? <laughs> 15 years is a pretty quick. That's like, oh, it's wild. In, in golf terms, yeah. that's yeah. like, I could be wrong. Minute, and like, like, but it's like, I can't imagine his, his, his design career was that like, like goes back that far. Right. No, I wouldn't think so. And then, and then there was another one in Orlando that I think has gone, they, like they built, they built houses on. It was, a, it was at a Marriott property, mm. uh, which is crazy. Like two, two golf courses that, that you've lost already. Before we wrap the Scottish as well, I want to give a shout out to Max Homa for giving us a shout out uh, on the on the broadcast, yeah. talking about our, our North Berwick video that inspired him to go play it on Friday. He played eighteen holes out there after he finished, uh, you know, playing his first two rounds at the Scottish. So, how many guys? I, I'm gonna say this yeah. little sneak peek. I picked Max to win the win the Open Championship in our ESPN picks this week because like, why not? You know what? Like, somebody's got to you know stick his neck out and believe in the lad, and uh, yeah, I feel like uh, he's. He's a good enough player that uh, it's it might be time. You never know. He's been disrespected in the odds too. I mean, for yeah. what he's kind of put up and 
and uh, you know, strokes gain wise, he was he Keegan and Keegan Bradley were jumping off the page, and Corey Connors were jumping off the page as far as mm-hmm. Keegan has been a baller for the last three and six months, and he's like one thirty to one to win the. Like, uh, listen, he might not win it, but like, it, it he was the only one that was really askew in the uh, in the in the models, if you will. Just just draw attention to it. We'll talk. We'll, we got preview pod coming. I'm so time. excited. God, I'm so excited, guys. Uh, how many guys stay on site at the Renaissance Club? Like, how big is that little hotel they've got there? I I think a lot of them do. I really don't know though. I thought that was kind of one of the main things. Was like, there's just not enough lodging in that area and they are able to squeeze in so many people into that. Cause I club. know they've, re- they've renovated the hotel down at down at North barrack as well. The Marine and lawn. I think it is like, it was the Royal Marine hotel down there. But I think, you know, like I know a lot of guys stayed down there as well. And they were, you know, they would, they would walk past the course to, to, you know, dinner every night or whatever. But yeah, I'm just curious on, on that note. We ready to get into a little live stuff. I got I got some Let's questions I want to throw at you guys. First, Cash App, easiest way to send, spend, and save your money. Cash App might be actually the official sponsor of the live segments of our weekly podcast. You can send or request money from friends or family when they owe you money for dinner, for golf bets, for sports washing, whatever you want to collect money from <laughs> with your friends. You can invest in any stock with uh, or buy Bitcoin with I just, start charging you for sports washing. <laughs> just one dollar. It comes with a debit card. You can customize Cash App, laser prints, and mails it to you. Comes with free discounts on places you love called boosts if you want to book private enormous private planes uh to your next event you can use cash app to do so you can use referral code no laying up it gives new users 15 free dollars just to be clear you can't you can't book a private plane i don't know how to book on on cash i don't know how you can pay for it using cash app Uh, cash app also sets aside ten dollars for each sign up donates that to youth on course so the more people using code no laying up when registering not only do you get a free $15, but you're helping to support junior golf. And, of course, get signed up now because we're going to be giving cash away during our live shows following Open Championship rounds uh, this week. Have we given up on the U.K.-British Open presented by Her Majesty? I've, I've been – I feel like I've, it's kind of – We've made our point. It's No, it's a little bit of, like, moratorium on it just because I want to keep the focus on St. Andrews. I like that. You know, a little bit like not I letting kinda, third leg Greg in yeah. on, on the champions Counterpoint. Thing. I feel like it's more important than ever with the British PM resigning. You know, the the Open Championship that can no longer be permitted, presented by the the government of uh, of England. It has to be presented by the the royals. So they're the only the only only stable institution in the United Kingdom right now is the royals. So. Can you keep politics out of one thing, KVV? Was, Come on, you're so sorry. woke. God, I was the I was Bo- hoping the, the Boris Johnson stands can come at me all they want. <laughs> I was hoping against all hope that that uh, Kyrgios was going to lose his mind on the royal box today during, during the Wimbledon oh, final. Yeah. That would have been awesome. He Duchess so of Cambridge. To, he, yeah. he was so very polite to Duchess Kate uh, during the trophy ceremony. I was like, this could give you know, weird here in a second, but no, he was, he was very uh, gracious. I'm going to ask you guys, I would like to start the conversation this week. Uh, and I, we're going to, I'm going to, I think do our best not to rehash anything, but there's a lot of, some things that happened this week, but there are a couple sentiments going around town, if you will, that uh, I just wanted to have a discussion on. So KVV, I'll ask you first, should the tour have banned the players that left? Uh, the, let's just say PGA tour for now. Should the PGA tour have banned guys that left for live? Yes or no? I think it is, God, yes, I think from their perspective, they probably had to do it. After they saber-rattled for a long time, you couldn't do that and then all of a sudden like back down from it because then everybody would have gone. So, yes. TC? I think so, yes. I just, I don't, you know, I think they painted them, like, 
I think if you're going to say no, then you got to look at all their strategic decisions, like like KVV said. Like, yeah. I mean, they were, you know, I just think back to Jay saying, like, you're either in or out of the boat, and, you know, in, like, February, and basically saying, like, you know, raising the, the mission accomplished banner and, you know, kind of pumping his fists, like, hey, we won this thing. And, like, how stupid does that look now? Not great. I, I just have seen an increasing amount of people saying that they shouldn't have banned them. They made a big mistake, and I, I vehemently disagree with that. I think the, the, the side that people don't think about is that the bands are protecting the guys that are staying, and it would be a disservice to them to allow guys. It, it, they would have more guys leaving, I think, if they uh, didn't ban guys and didn't suspend them. They I think should, the, They the, should have shadow banned them. Yeah. Banned them, but not told them they banned them. Uh, so I that I just have been surprised to start seeing that sentiment, and it seems like uh, it just doesn't seem fully baked to me. I think that was their their only move to stop this from happening was to say like you cannot do both things. You can go, you can leave, but you cannot do both things. And again, we are so freaking early in this. Too. Oh, there's so much. Like that's the you know the legal stuff's just starting to happen and all that. But I think either way, it's like the tour. It was a lose lose. Right? And they may get mega screwed in the legal stuff, for all we know. They yeah. could, but I, I think they would have been just been me- uh, equally as mega screwed if they let guys yeah. go, come and go as they pleased. Yeah, because then you've got, you know, 75% of the guys in the top 70, like, dipping their toe in. Exactly. Yeah. And every field, then, is, like, driven by the money, right? Like, every every good tournament that you have, as long as Liv wants to put up a, a tournament with more money available to, like, what if they decided to you know, put up a tournament op- opposite of Genesis or opposite of, I don't know, even the players. Like, uh, what's to stop guys from being like, yeah, I'll, I'm not going to play the players because I can make more money in this live thing. So I'll come, come back next week and play, you know, whatever. Uh, I I think you kind of had to. I mean, they, as we said, I think a lot, like the real, the only way that really could have prevented it is they come up with their own live type thing where they were like, hey, we're going to do this and this is going to be what the, the for in the bad weeks, the off, you know, the guys can do but they just didn't want to get involved in any of that for whatever reason and that's another thing too is we have uh only know of what live has done and announced what they are going to do right what they are actually capable of doing is one it, whatever they you know if there is and i get a lot of comments we're gonna give this some of rory's quotes of you know bringing greg to the table or should have been these conversations it's like I, I just can't see – I don't know how people don't see, like, how insanely personal Norman takes all of this stuff and how they are – they were never going to, like, work, you know, on good faith. Like, it, never. Like, it, they are so, again, so early in their plans for actually taking over golf. And it, it, if they w- if the tour would have shown any weakness on that front, Liv would have taken advantage of I it. I think there would have been an opportunity to talk to the PGL guys. Yes. Because I think that was, you know, because among their investors, I'm sure, guys that – Rory's tight with or guys that you know any number of these guys are tight with but yeah I don't see the the window like the just it being a wise decision to have a dialogue with third leg Greg and again we'll get into some of Rory's quotes as well but it sounded like what Keith Pelley had said in the joint press conference as well was like that we had conversations with the you know the Saudis in general and said you know they they had said they want to get involved with growing the game and stuff and so we presented them with an opportunity to support the challenge tour they were not interested in that, and it was for a dollar amount that was absolutely minuscule compared to what they're currently doing. Like, it's not like you can just up and lift the two, however many billions of dollars, and that would have easily fit into the golf ecosystem. Um, I do struggle a little bit with Pelly. I know we, you know, it's like if you're just listening to this podcast and you haven't heard us talk about Live before, then like go back. <laughs> 
47 podcasts <laughs> and catch up. Because yeah, there's a lot of like context and foundational stuff here. But I think with Pelly, one of the things I found troubling with his remarks was there's you know a it seems like he's kind of misplayed this. Like I, I'm not sure if from his standpoint if the strategic alliance is necessarily the best thing, which it sounds like some of the Euro Tour guys also feel that way. Where he, he basically said, hey, if you guys want to be a part of the ecosystem and and all this, we will certainly talk to you. And they didn't. But then it, it makes it feel a little bit more disingenuous for Jay and the gang to cite the human rights and the sports washing stuff as part of that when it was fine when yeah. when Pelly was accepting a check from them for the Saudi International and for... And yeah, sponsorship. I, I think there's a separation that I think Monaghan has clear separation from that. And he was never involved in the Saudi International. Right. And Pelly has been relatively quiet on that front in terms of, you know, I, I think, you know, obviously we had them having the relationship with him in the past. And I, I think there's an interesting conversation to have there. And, and again, we can get to this after the, the Rory comments of just like. There is a difference with what's currently going on with Live and the, the purpose it's serving for the Saudis and like a diversified investment in the tour. Yeah. I, 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 or there's I a difference too between like the Saudi International as one tournament and them, you know, owning the golf calendar. Exactly. Yeah. And I don't want that to sound at all like I'm flipping or weakening that like it sounds like Rory was a flip adjacent at some point. We're going to again get to all that. <laughs> but before we get to that. I want to ask this second question. Should the Live Tour, KVV, should it get mm. OWGR points? So I've listened to all the sort of arguments, and, uh, you know, I, I think DJ laid out a great sort of, uh, you know, logical reasoning for what it would take to do it. And, you know, the Shotgun Start Boys and, and the Friday crew, you know, obviously put a different kind of uh, thing out. To me, I just don't think that I don't care who goes to your tour. If you're not going to play 72 whole events, uh, I don't see how you can make the justification that you deserve OWGR points. Like, and I, and I definitely don't think that you should be getting them right away. Like, you should have to go through the you were in compliance for a year and then we apply and then the sort of people vote on it and make our arguments for it. Like, I don't think that just because Dustin Johnson was one of the great you know, players of his era all of a sudden goes over there. Like that's Dustin Johnson's reputation that you're looking at. Maybe not Dustin Johnson, like who he is right now. And I still think like if you started up an NBA basketball league and you played three quarters or you played with, you know, only three point shots were, were counted, <laughs> would you be like, well, we deserve to have a spot in the NBA playoffs or whatever. We that's kind of what the NBA the, playoffs the are turning into though. <laughs> yeah. I, I just think like, look, if, if Liv wants to make some adjustments, to that and say like okay you know what we did this we're still going to do a shotgun start but we are going to play 72 whole uh, events and we are going to have a cut then i think the argument is much stronger but i just don't think that the the standard for what our owgr points are it has been this for however long and to sort of change that just because a bunch of dudes are you know chasing you know is big purses like i don't i don't really care if like the 100 the, the 50 best players in the world are playing and live if they're not playing what golf has always been, then I don't think it's it's worth you know vi revisiting that until it changes. But that's I feel like that's a pretty logical position. And why the world of golf should change just because Liv has a lot of money and is demanding it seems to doesn't make a lot of sense to me at the moment. TC, yeah, I largely agree. I think you know I would say well, KVV. What about PGA Tour China? 
What about PGA Tour China? Huh? <laughs> um, no, but but people I, are like, I, oh, well, you you didn't care when the hero got it. Yeah. It's fine. Strip the hero of. <laughs> I've like, been I've been lobbying for that. It's a ridiculous thing to have anyway. But you know what the hero has is seventy two holes. <laughs> no, true. I've yeah. I've been lobbying for the hero to lose world ranking points for the last like four years. That. It's a di- totally different conversation, but but, yes. but yeah, no, like I largely agree. But at the end of the day, like it, it all just comes down to the strength of the guys. Like I do think if the top, you know, let's say thirty of the top fifty guys in the world are playing on live, then you know at some point, you know, whether I think it sh- it should be the case or not, at some point, like, does it delegitimize delegitimize the OWGR to where, you know, like yeah, it's the it's it's got an asterisk. It's the best players in the world, but da 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 da. You know. Uh, and to that, I would say it did represent the best players in the world until those best players in the world left the competitive golf ecosystem. Like they they, they know that these are the rules for official world golf rankings. And the Oda, and what also a key link to all of this is is the major championships are seventy two hole tournaments, right? And they are not shotgun start. They are. You have to deal with these waves. You have to play, you know, in these threesomes that take five and a half hours, and you have to do this in these events uh, throughout the course of a year to show that you are a competitive golfer and can make cuts and can do all these things consistently beating these these fields and consistently beating these top players that include a big ecosystem to get into our tournament to compete. And that is where live falls short of so much of that. So like you may think these rules are arbitrary or, you know, that, you know, however they come up with 72 holes and blah, blah, blah. But it makes sense when you view the entire golf landscape altogether. I get it. But there's a few things you could point out there that like you point out next week at the Barracuda or the, you know, out in Reno, right? Like you've got Stableford. You could point out the match play. That's not seven. That's not stroke play. 72 holes. You, you can point out tennis, like ten, like, you know, ATP, they play three rounds. In non-majors, they play five rounds in majors. You know, so you could say, "All right, we're elevating the majors even more." It's one, you know, those are some of the few times that we actually do four rounds. You know, like it kind of it, it kind of comes back to the cricket comp. But right? I would also say, like, there's a difference in like five percent of the events not being like that, and zero percent, and and you know, ninety five percent being like this, and zero percent at live being like the competitive totally. golf structure. I, I get it, and like, and like yeah. I'm I'm very much on the on the side of like, no, I think like this is this is serious golf and this is like inherently unserious golf. Right. And, and I'm, I'm very much, but really at the end of the day, it's like, all right, who are the gatekeepers? The gatekeepers are the four majors and then Pelly and Jay Monahan, And then the COO of the European tour who also does the, um, you know, he's, yeah, the federation of international PGA tours or whatever. So I, I think one of the things I've always loved the most about golf is like you, when you go to a tournament, you have some skin in the game, right? Like you have to play well to sort of earn some money. You have to play well. You have to grind to help, man. If I don't play well on Friday, like I'm, I might be trunk slamming and going home. And obviously that that doesn't happen in the WGCs. Like you're getting through either way, but like, I, I always love the cut element of that. Right. And like, that's why tiger making 170 cuts in a row, whatever, is such an amazing accomplishment because he never had that off until you have like that to me it just doesn't seem quite as real at golf you have some skin in the game you have some investment you have to put up your own money and you have to play well to get paid and you have to earn your way into the no cut wgcs like you you like yep, you don't have true. to earn your way into live events it, it, uh, mm-hmm. you are offered a upfront amount of money and you go play in it like you do not have to earn your way in it and you don't have if you play bad you still get the starts and that is not yep. exist in the in the competitive golf ecosystem 
Golf used to pride itself on that so much, right? Like you loved it. Old guys loved it. Yeah, look, you don't play well, you don't get paid. We're not like those other tournaments, whatever. There are those other sports. And I get why, like, look around and you see, you know, like guaranteed contracts and huge signing bonuses in various other sports. And you think like, hey, man, like, why can't we get some of that? But like golf really isn't, it isn't comparable to the money that it generates in terms of like the NFL, the NBA or some of those other stuff. So I don't, I guess, you know, they ought to look at more like what tennis is because in, in reality, like they're, they're bigger than tennis in a lot of ways, but they're not, they're not generating the $20 billion TV deal that the NFL is or the, you know, whatever it is. So it's, it's a little bit frustrating to hear some guys be like, well, we deserve to get that paid. Yeah. But you chose golf. Like, and that's a different thing than, than the NFL or the NBA. I think the ATPs are like a, you know, Rory's referenced it before in his interviews. Like, I think the ATPs are really like, like I need to dig further into how the ATP operates and, from a prize money perspective, from an operations perspective, from a you know the ATP 1000, all those little categories where they have different events going on at the same time, do they subsidize guys that have a full you know full status? Like because like like that even like I don't even really have a problem if the tour was was going to say you know what any start like let's say you're a full member any start you you turn up to you get 10k or something like that just to offset travel expenses or whatever that's know? essentially what the play fifth you know play 15 50k bonus is is you know yep. you get whatever seventh whatever that that math comes out to and i guess where, where i just come back to on this is where i feel it, it's such an unbelievable amount of arrogance to think like one like you started this league knowing what the owgr qualifications were you know exactly what they are so you are basically banking on bullying them into changing and the third being just like what what incentive like what incentive do they have to change? Why I get that like the the majors would want to have the best possible players, and at what point are you not getting the best possible players? But like if you go down the list, Phil Mickelson again not one of the best players anymore, but he's going to be playing all these things through twenty twenty six, right? So we're not worried about him. Dustin Johnson in the Masters for life, in the PGA through twenty five, in the U.S. Open through twenty six, in the Open through twenty five. We're we're good on that for for some time being. We're going to have D- Dustin there. Kepka in the Masters through 24, in the PGA for life, in the U.S. Open through 24, and in the Open through 24. We got three years of runway um, for Kepka in the majors. Reed, Masters for life, PGA, U.S. Open, and, and Open all through next year. Uh, Bryson, Masters through 25, U.S. Open through 30, and the other two through 25. Like the most competitive players on that tour are going to be in majors for the time being anyway. So that they're even less incentivized to say like, Hey, we should, we need to change our structure here to make sure these guys are getting into our major championships. Yeah. No, and if I, I were the, if I were the masters, I wouldn't lift a finger for any of this stuff. You know why? Because the masters elevates the winners. The winners don't elevate the masters. Like this idea that like, well, the masters, they want to have the best players in the field. I wouldn't give one lick if I were the masters and be like, Oh, well, you know, Patrick Reed or Dustin Johnson might not make it or whatever. I and mean, they'll always make it. But like what what player in live who isn't already like a master's champion would the masters care one bit about if they didn't make it in the field because they dropped out of the top 50 or the top 100? Fred I can't really imagine anybody cause, cause Taylor sitting Gooch. around being like, oh, man, like we're really going to miss, you know, Pat Perez. Like, you know, who cares? I, I Honestly, no disrespect to Pat Perez, but like that's just that's how the masters kind of is it's it's you win it and you're elevated as a master's champion forever it's not like you know everybody's like dying to see that i think the best players there's so many people who watch the masters who are not like us who don't even care a lick about golf and i think that'll always kind of be true about the masters yeah. so like I, if you're the pga championship maybe i could see that argument for you like you want all the 
best players around. But man, if you're looking for the Masters to sort of save you, you should pay attention to the Masters history in general of like realizing that it's not they're not out there like begging people to come play there. The code red is going to be if if one of these guys that we've mentioned like goes out and wins a major. No, you know, like if DJ yep. or Brooks or anybody who's yet to go goes out and wins a major like that's the biggest deal because i think otherwise it's you know unless they get the world ranking points in short order it's going to be very very hard for any young guy to make this like to make the shift and and be able to elevate their status to being one of the elite players and unless unless they win a major and i don't know where you guys stand on this i am totally good with dj and brooks and phil and bryson and reed playing in these majors they have earned their spots Mm -hmm. in these majors they have qualified for them and the majors are different than the pga tour i think they're like the worst thing of this is the double dipping and the like the threats of suing to say i want to play on the live tour and play on the PGA Tour for money when I've turned my I've screwed over a lot of the current existing PGA Tour players by going and leaving and taking my marketing rights out of this ecosystem. And you're su- you're you're literally suing those guys. Yes, you're not suing the tour; you're suing them. That's what. Yeah, I, I we posted that kind of teaser clip with JT, and a lot of people took that way too literally. Like, oh, JT, you're not going to be a plain, uh, you know, a name defendant in the lawsuit. It's like, all right, well, you're missing the idea of what it means to sue the PGA Tour. Like, like Jay's, it, like like one of these guys asked Jay, who's paying for these lawsuits, and he's like, you, you are. The players <laughs> are paying for this. Is like coming out of the, your player. It's money that would otherwise be filtered to uh, you know into playing purses for you so uh also, i just can I say if you if you're someone who gets falls out of the top 100 or whatever and you have to qualify to get into the british open guess what you used to have to do even if you won the freaking thing like arnold palmer had to come over and qualify to yeah. be in the british open like they, they didn't reserve any spots for anybody it was basically everyone had to show up two weeks before and kind of play their way in so like if you're a really good player if you're brooks kepka and you haven't won an open championship then what you go over and play, you know, play in the qualifiers, like grind your way into it. You can't beat the 150th player in the world to get into the British Open. Then maybe you don't deserve to be there. It'd be a very different conversation if the OWGR changed their criteria to lock these guys out. This was a voluntary move that they've all made for a shit ton of money. And this is a consequence of doing that. And that is very, very now, much granted, what I believe. Yeah. Now, and now, granted, you could argue that they've they've laid some booby traps along the way. Probably. To, to prevent this. Protect which it. I'm fine with. Which yeah. is probably smart. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I do think the funniest part about all this is the players, like, always wanting to elevate themselves into fifth major, fifth major, fifth major. And then now it's like, hey, we're, we're clearly not a major. These guys can't play. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Well, they should. I'm telling you, I, should, they should declare it a major <laughs> weeks ago. Declare it a major. Just yeah. declare it a major and say we're gonna we're gonna recognize it going forward. Oh, by the way, you can't play. Yep. So, uh, can we get to uh, Rory's quotes? Can I play them for you guys? Please. All right. Please do. Look, I wish it hadn't got that messy. And and in hindsight, I think there were probably steps that were missed that 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 w- wouldn't have made it as messy. Um, but I think in the long term. It will make the game better, but right now it's just that there's this disruption that's happening, and with disruption comes change and force change, and I think this has just sort of forced the tour's hands a little bit, and and they have to adapt and change, and, and I think that's what they're going to have to try to do. Do you think there will have to be peace talks between the three tours at some stage? I think so. I think that I think that needs to happen. Um, there's so much chat about where the money's coming from in Saudi and everything else. Like they sponsor so many other things, and they're 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 all over sport. 
I, I understand people's reservations with, with everything, but at the same time, if these people are serious about investing billions of dollars in the Gulf, I mean, I think ultimately that, that's a good thing. All the narrative isn't, it isn't good at splitting the game instead of everyone coming together, and I think everyone needs to try to come together a little bit more. Is there a resentment between the players who are on, still on the PGA Tour and the DP World and the players who have decided to defect? I think defection is a strong word. I understand why guys have went, especially the guys that are sort of in the latter stages of their career. And I mean, if I was in their position, I mean, I, I, I'd, I'd seriously have to think about doing the same thing. Like, I, I understand. Um, is there a, a difference of opinion? Yes. But I mean, I can argue with you about a certain thing, but I'm still going to like you at the end of it. So there's a difference of opinion, and I would have done things a little bit differently. But I think at this stage, you know, if you go over and play in a different tour, then go and play in a different tour. And you know, I think this whole having your cake and eating it type thing is is what the resentment resolves with within the membership. But for me, I don't I don't resent that anyone. A lot of these guys are my friends, and they're still going to be my friends regardless of the of the decisions they make. So that made some wavelengths around uh, this week. I think it was uh, the the first sign of our sweet prince. Uh, you know, ca- caving a little bit, like vacillating, weakening, yeah, weakening a little bit. Didn't want to touch that one on Twitter, and I just want to get this in uh, right now because this this article, I'm sure, is out by the time you're listening to this. But uh, Kyle Porter had a one on one with Rory, I believe, on Saturday. Um, it, it comes out on Monday, and uh, Kyle asked him. He said, "You did an interview with BBC recently at the JP McManus, and it seemed like your tone on everything shifted a little bit from what it had been in the past. Why was that, or did it shift in your mind?" And Rory said. I don't think it shifted in terms of the internal dialogue that we've had going on for a while. I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty details of what's going on behind the scenes. In my opinion, there's no room in the world, in the golf world for live golf. Let's put it that way. I don't agree with what live is doing. If live went away tomorrow, I'd be super happy. My stance has not softened on that, but my stance on where the money is coming from is where I've sort of softened because I just look at every other sport and I see the money that's going in there and I can see what benefits that has. It's hard because ultimately, do you want more money being invested in the PGA Tour? I think yes. I think that would be great. And if the guys are willing to do that and scrap the whole live thing, so Yasser Al-Ramayan, the head of the PIF, he loves golf. Do you think these people around him want to facilitate a meeting with the powers that be, whether it be Keith Pelley or Jay Monahan? Probably not because all of a sudden their job is in jeopardy. My stance hasn't softened on live per se. I don't agree with what they're doing in the sport. My stance has maybe softened on the investment side of things or in terms of if there is a way we can play ball and invest in the wider golf ecosystem where this can benefit everyone instead of just benefiting 48 guys. And that's sort of my whole thing on it. I don't know if that will ever happen, but that's basically what I was trying to say in those comments in that BBC interview a few days ago. Again, he's just saying like the PGL model. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which I, I guess that's what he's alluding to here, but also like it's just weird that you know, I, I don't know. I just don't I struggle with like the the about face on the source of the money a little bit. Uh, that's because, because yeah. he was so vocal about that from the start. Like honestly, I read that and I was like, "Ah, that's sports washing working." That's yeah. literally when he's like looking around to the other other sports that like have the money coming in and that's saying like, "Oh, well, it's okay because it's going in other places. Like it's inevitable. It's it's the wave is coming. Like there's no stopping. There's no point in having a moral stance on that." And that I thought was a bummer just because it is uh, there's a certain defeatist attitude about that. And again, that's where I want to have that conversation though of like there is in 
the Twitter world, it is extremely black and white. It is if there is a drop of Saudi money involved in anything, you are as guilty as the guys taking the money to go say nice things about them. Um, if you ride in an Uber, that's the same as doing. If you are a PGA Tour sponsor <laughs> that does business in that country, that's the if same. If you wear as, Nike shoes, that's the same as you know going to go be a spokesman for this specific regime. And I I get what he's saying a little bit here in terms of like you know it. it if there are, you're not going to stop a Saudi Arabian investment into FedEx of $250 million, which also FedEx sponsors the FedEx cup. Like, so why should we stop it into the golf? Exactly. I, we should, we should gladly take that money, but figure out a, a, a positive way to, you know, to, it, to employ that money. It sounds to me it just sounds like kind of naive. <laughs> shady billionaire, JP McManus yes. Sat, yes. sat the lad <laughs> down and said, Son, let me teach you how the world works. Yeah. <laughs> Basically said, you know, McManus is, I don't know if you read much about him, but like yeah. nobody really quite understands how he made his billions. And there's various allegations of like, you know, some, some, I don't know if misdeeds is the right word, but some, uh, some shady things of what happened to, it wasn't just in horse racing. Oh, it was all uh, sorts of think, like currency trading. Right? Yeah. Like, currency trading, trading, but how did he get the money to sort of buy up a bunch of currency? Like it's, it's unclear. I, but you know, McManus is someone who's you know there's only so many Irish billionaires out there, and here he is in this sort of meeting of all the important people coming together to sort of do charity for golf. It wouldn't surprise me at all if he kind of said, you know, look, you don't like this, I understand, but this is going to happen. This is not going away. The Saudis have more money than you could possibly understand and imagine, so you need to kind of like get right with this one way and either like you know, use it to sort of your advantage or no, I mean, again, this is all speculation. I have nothing to sort of yeah. support this, but it wouldn't surprise me at all. Like if, if those conversations took place, because that's how like billionaires work, right. They kind of understand like, look, you know, you can sit here and have your morality plays or whatever. But like, the truth is, is that no kind of human rights activist is going to be able to sort of convince the, the, the players to walk away from this money. So, you know, get, get right with it on some level and sort of, decide how you're going to live with this or not. And I, I look, do I need Rory to sort of have the same, you know, stances morally as I do? No, not at all. Like, Hey, he lives in a much different world than I do. Like I have no expectation of it, but it is, it did make you feel a little bit like what Homer's Max talking about. Like Rory's like our Harvey Dent out there. Like if, <laughs> if one person who is like been fighting and fighting and fighting against this, what happens when that one person potentially buckles or softens a little bit or, or is sort of asked to sort of look at things from a different perspective, man, like all of a sudden does the whole front collapse in a way? Like, I, I don't know what Rory's sort of ideal uh, thing of the future would look like for golf. And if maybe he is okay. And I, look, I'm open to the argument too. I don't know that I believe it after talking to actual like Saudi dissidents about this, but if you are sitting here and saying, Hey, this will have a net positive in the long run for society in Saudi Arabia. Like it's, it's, they're trying to modernize it in a way they're trying to sort of move away from just fossil fuels They're trying to sort of advance and to show like, Hey, we're not this kind of backwards, you know, barbaric country. The flip side to that is that, you know, people who are actually, you know, citizens there who are not part of the sort of Royal ruling class, are basically saying that nothing has changed. Just the sort of outward reputation is changing. They still like, you can't talk to, people there as a journalist without potentially getting them in a ton of trouble like you can't leave the country if you're ever sort of critical of the government in a lot of ways and so yeah you want to people want to sit here and make an argument of like 
look in the long run, like the, there's bad people everywhere and they all have, you know, money and they all have weapons. And so we have to kind of get square with this. That's fine. I understand it. But I'm telling you from the perspective of like the actual people who in a lot of ways like that, the money, what I think often gets overlooked here is like this idea that like the PIF belongs to the Royal family. Like it belongs to Saudi Arabia. Like this isn't like money that like the Royals have because they're like super special people. It's because Saudi Arabia is, is, on some of the biggest oil deposits in the entire world and so a lot of ways like the actual people the citizens of the country feel like you're using like our money instead of like bettering society you're using it to sort of you know clean up your own reputation right like how much better would would things in Riyadh or Jeddah be like if there was public transportation or if there was like widespread healthcare, or there was you know more jobs or whatever like all of that money could go to sort of different things and instead it's being used for sport to sort of you know and so it's a complicated like difficult thing and i don't blame rory for you know having an evolving opinion on it and stuff it's just i just don't think that like the reality of it is what a lot of people are are being spread because in a lot of ways the people can't talk the, the people who it who it most sort of affects they can't talk about it. They can't speak out and then sort of share their opinion on it. And where I, I differ strongly with Rory here is I think that, and I, I have not heard the full context or I've not read the full Porter article yet. And I, you know, that I think this is also a reason why he probably hates giving these little interviews is you can have a two minute snippet go around and there may be more context around it. But mm -hmm. from what I've heard in that alone, there's a certain naive, naivete, naivete, how do you say that? Naivety. Naivete. Naivete, there it is. <laughs> uh, That's my Peter A-list for you. Uh, <laughs> in like thinking that, you know, at least, for, I don't even want to say that in what he's saying, just how it can sound. I have a problem with thinking that like what is currently going on in live was like an option to exist within the ecosystem. Like they had saw the opportunity to buy golf, to do this in an extremely aggressive way. And like, just look at the way that Greg Norman behaves. Do you think that that same money or even a significant amount of money would have just quietly come into the game of golf in some way and not drastically uprooted something like th that's exactly going back to what Keith Pelly had said, what they had talked about with them is very, very different, like, both in the size of investment and structure for what has played out. I just don't think that this it's as simple as welcoming this money casually into the game supports the game uh, nearly to the extent that he describes it. And yeah, if it's good faith, Greg Norman's not involved. Exactly. Like that's not, <laughs> that's blank. not, what we're talking about here that is not it was not like there was you know there was three options in there and this was one of them that's that's not at what's at play to defend him i will say i don't think he's coming at this selfishly from like a my bank account purpose i think there's mm -hmm. a little bit of like man like a lot of money flying around I'm not getting any of it but i do think it's more so of the overall health of like professional golf i like, got some takes there sure. so i think the Hey, KVB, I was going to say the same thing as far as like this, the timing of that quote coming out, you know, on the back end of spending two or three or four days at Dare Manor with <laughs> JP McGinnis, probably down in that, in that scotch room oh, or whiskey God. room, you know, down at the bottom, the, uh, the, uh, you know, drawing room down there, uh, you know, probably drinking bottles of wine that are worth more than my house. That was not a coincidence. Like, I think they're, they're, they're probably playing yep. bore on the floor down there. <laughs> Like it's, it was probably a damn scene out of succession, you know, but also I think in a weird way. So Hey, everything that's happening is whether it directly or indirectly, it's good for Rory in the long run. Yeah. Right. Cause he's, he's either going to get a bigger piece of the pie of the tour stuff 
the, you know, yeah. and and Jay Monahan in basically employing Rory and JT and Horschel and those guys as the public spokespeople instead of him being visible and public and doing his own press conferences that aren't an absolute disaster uh, or CBS appearances or whatnot, like, you know, by employing these guys to, to be the public face of the tour, he's given them more power. And so this is a power play for Rory as well to basically say, like, let's say, you know, things aren't going the way that Rory wants them to go. Rory puts his thumb on the scale, create, you know, sows some seeds of doubt with the tour and says, Hey, I'm kind of wavering. I'm kind of waffling a little bit here you know what, this does look more attractive. That scared the shit out of everybody in Ponte Vedra. Which, yeah, just to clarify, like his statement was cut and dry of like, you know, I'm not wavering, wavering on live. Like, uh, this is not what's happening here. Just a weakening of the, of the, of the, you know, dollar, where the money is coming from. And again, he's got another quote. And he's kind of backseat, like he's kind of backseat driving a little bit too and saying like, well, you know what, I don't like, I, yeah, like in hindsight, there's some things that could have been done differently. I think that they can do some things differently here moving forward. And it's like he's he's putting his thumb on the scale. Which I disagree with him, though, that the tour should sit down with Greg Norman. Like, that is, that's yeah. not going anywhere. He, sm he smells blood in the water. He is not going to quit. At, at he, Again, this is extremely personal for him. Just look at the captions of his Instagram, adding the PGA Tour. You like apples? And talking about the OWGR of his field <laughs> in Portland. Like, yo, this dude is not going to come to the table in good faith. And you can't trust him with anything that he would, would say in that as well. This is not how this battle is going to be fought. You know how sometimes people say, like, if you could go back in time, would you kill him? Hitler or whatever like if you could go back in time and like play golf out differently could you just have like greg norman's dad give him a hug and tell him like i'm so proud of you son like that that could change so many different things of the last two years i bet tim fincham's you know questioning how he handled things of like yeah did i do enough to marginalize yeah. greg norman I, uh, greg norman's just a a shill for it though like this imagine if greg norman would have won the masters oh my god Kyle also asked him, why has your stance changed on where the money is coming from? Remember, you had a quote, and this may not, uh, you know, may have been personal versus talking about the entire industry. You had a quote about, hey, I don't really like where the money is coming from. And Roy said, I said that right before COVID. I said that Bay Hill in 2020, so two and a half years ago. It's changed because I see golf may be different, but I see the money that's going into Formula One, for example, or in the European soccer or a world heavyweight fight is just about to be in Saudi Arabia in a few weeks. They're investing heavily in sport, and I think our sport would benefit from that investment as long as it's done the right way. I don't want them to own golf like they're trying to do, but if they can sort of come in, play nicely in the whole ecosystem, I think that could be a good thing. That, like, that all sounds like, yeah, kumbaya. Yeah, that, it's that. not the situation at hand. I really don't think it is. And yeah, while we're at it, we'll get the Chinese to, yeah. you know, stop stop threatening Taiwan and and, and taking over little, <laughs> little islands all over the South, you know, the South China Sea. Yeah. So it, uh, I, look, I, I just keep thinking about it. Like whatever happens, like I, I don't, I, I don't think I care one way or another, but like, I just think it's important to talk about the issues like uphand. Like I know none of us are going to be like, Oh man, we're not watch golf anymore. We're going to cover golf anymore. If, if Liv sort of takes over, like golf is a part of all of our lives. Right. It's just, if we just kind of roll over and let all of this stuff kind of, you know, the narrative be set by the people who I think are kind of, disingenuous about some of their approach to this stuff then i, I think that's unfair like if, if if in two years like golf is they live is running 20 tournaments a year and like look there in some ways that's gonna suck because i have some moral qualms with it but also like that's just how it is gonna be i'm not telling you that it has to change this half the page the, the guys have to draw the line mickelson filmixon can't take this money 
no, but like at least we're talking about where the money is coming from. Like it is sort of hard for like those 9-11 families to square. Like we're in this active lawsuit against Saudi Arabia and we want some sort of acknowledgement of, you know, what's happened here. But here you're willing to spend three, four billion dollars for these other guys to just get paid to sort of wash your reputation. So I think all of that is important to discuss whether you agree with it or not, whether you wish, you know, there's no like, hey, shut up and stop talking about it, in my opinion. Like you want to support live awesome go support it like i'll peek into it from time to time but i'm not going to like not discuss where all the issues surrounding it yeah no i think it's it's a, what's super not been fun but it's an obligation i think we have of you know it, it, i just don't think that people are gonna you know educate themselves on it or, or, or care to educate themselves on it enough and a lot of people i see on my facebook feed are Ah, well, they just let them go. Like, let them play. Still I don't on get Facebook? it. I check in every now and then to see, hey, but, you know, just to see if anyone's saying those, any get those birthday wishes, racist you know, things <laughs> on there or whatever, just to just but to it, remind myself how bad it is. But it does feel like Rory. You know, Rory's basically saying, "Hey, you haven't gone far enough with the changes and with the PJ Tour." Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and like he said, he's referenced the ATP stuff in the past. He's referenced the, you know, some of the PGL, like some of the franchise, and like I think there there's still something there, and they could tap into. A hell of a lot more money than than is in golf right now, but also comes from, you know, people who don't want to quote unquote own golf either. So, yeah, I, I think they should. I think the RNA should have invited Greg to the uh, the dinner thing, or the champions thing, just because, as I think you said, Tali, like it's oh, he won't take this personal at all. I'm sure this won't right. become a thing for him, right? Like, just you know, go there and tell him he's not going to do any interviews, whatever. Don't make him available for anybody. Like, and I do think like there is an argument to Greg did win two open championships right like why not just have him there as a part of the hit and giggle and all that stuff and probably and probably could have won it or should have won a third too but it's yeah it, the newman fourth. newman gc asked thoughts on rna disinviting third leg greg from champion celebration uh was phil disinvited also honestly it's kind of like dealing with uh with the refuge sometimes it's like any act of punishment is might only make things worse here like worse, you're either yeah. going to have something like there's somebody here that's going to be causing a lot of disruption and is going to be a problem and is going to you know poison the well of this event that's going to happen or if you ban them then you made a martyr out of them and uh it now that like, makes it different <laughs> it feels like gary player at the masters with his dipshit son like you know yeah, i could yeah. see greg wearing a live hat and you know, or, or doing something like that. I think they'd rather fight this battle in the press to just like, all right, we'll take whatever yeah. hit it takes. And the week to not before, be there. Yeah. instead of doing it the week. So of. we can have our week during and not have him try to be the story of, of the live week. He should be like Pete Rose and be like outside the gates, <laughs> like sign and live hats. <laughs> live is <laughs> over live, there outside the Dun Vegan. I was going to say, live, you know, live rents out the whole Dun Vegan and does like a, you know, <laughs> a, uh, you know, how about the, 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 the uh, video of Pat Perez on, you know, the whatever, whatever the that was, the 767 or 777 charter, and you're seeing We Are the Champions. Shoot 80 or whatever. After shot. shooting 80. <laughs> dipshit. I, honestly, Greg, uh, Fred's quote about you're a grain of sand is one of the most, like, like devastating disses I think I've ever seen in professional golf. Yeah. Who are you? You're a grain of sand. <laughs> God, Fred, yeah, Freddie Couples was not not holding back. He's not. We talked about that down. last week a little bit. Yeah, but. not down. Would you guys rather do GMAC interview next or the Billy Ho rant? Because we got options here. There's some more content. Let's do GMAC interview first because okay. I think you know, I like it. It it very much seems like GMAC cares deeply, deeply about what people think about him, and and is has kind of lost his mind a little bit. He has just he had that example that went pretty viral of like literally just explaining sports washing. 
And so now he has taken the the uh, it on to like, all right, well, I'm going to give a long extended interviews where I really explain how sports washing works here because uh, he gave an interview. I, I shit, I don't have the source here. The Irish Independent, I believe yeah, it, yeah. it was, and. Mm-hmm. It starts out, and i got a lot to read here. Um, I was just thinking, the questions, I, I was just thinking, I see front pages, uh, front page headlines in the Belfast Telegraph saying, I'm proud to help the Saudis. How does that affect you and especially your family living there? And Graham says, I don't read the Belfast Telegraph. Don't you even fucking tell me what was on the front. Is that a real paper? What paper was that? Was that a real one? No one reads it anyway. It's okay. Listen, fuck. Like some guy from Amnesty International sent me the quotes, asked me to respond. How am I supposed to respond to Amnesty International? That's called fighting a losing battle. Of course I'm not going to respond. It's ridiculous. It's just golf. I'm not trying to solve the world's issue. So, yeah, not real happy with the Belfast Telegraph. For my family to read that shit, it's unfair. It's unfair. Yeah, when you can't some, explain something to Amnesty International, sorry, end quote, when you can't explain something to them, why would that be? As, as, I, as I put my Brian Windhurst on, why would that be, Graham? Why, why would that be? Why would you not be able to explain that? Or when Amnesty International is reaching out to you to explain something? Maybe start there. Yeah. Why, why can't you explain it to them, though? Huh? Explain that. Um, then he also says, yeah, it was very difficult. You know, there were a lot of pros and there were a lot of cons. You had to make peace with the negative side of things. The hardest thing for me the last three or four weeks is what Brian is mentioning, the negative fallout and being linked to comments where all you're trying to do is say the right things and do the right thing for a golf organization that are giving us a phenomenal opportunity. All the tenuous links to thing, to things that these guys have allegedly done, when we know the links are, like I say, tenuous at best, it doesn't mean everyone in Saudi Arabia is a bad person. You know what I'm saying? God, I End love quote. that argument. End quote. <laughs> no, see, I think what people are saying is that chopping up a journalist with a bone saw, those are the bad people. I don't think a lot of people are really upset about the citizens of Saudi Arabia. Uh, and I, mm-hmm. Graham, I don't know if I would call that link tenuous. I don't know if I would do that no. because uh, I believe it was live Skyped or FaceTimed uh, into MBS while it happened. So I don't... I don't know if I would use the word tenuous and emphasize it twice in that answer. Uh, so that's probably why you keep getting questions about this. Continuing on, these guys are running a very, very lucrative golf product, which is being phenomenally well-staged, taking great care of the players, and the players are loving it, and so many good things are happening. But the negative t- negativity doesn't make you proud of yourself every day. You wake up. Hopefully the narrative will change to golf soon, and we can get on with it. Oh, man. <laughs> The and negative then he, and then he, doesn't make you proud of yourself <laughs> every day. What a, what a, yeah, grinding on my couch, feet on the couch. Like, oh my God, stop <laughs> saying the quiet part he, out and, loud. And then he starts throwing a pity party after this. He's like, you know what? Like, I'm just going to grin and bear it. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to come and play these events unless they want me to come and play these events, unless they ask me to. Which I at least like respect that part of it. Um, but then he said, it's been very difficult, like I say, London especially, to see my name linked to the type of things that people have said. It's hurtful. I get it. It's people's opinions. It's not like I didn't expect it, you know, but I think I'm a reasonably smart person who tries to say smart things and the right things, but there's an inevitability to all this where you end up in a hole because there is no right answer. There is no right answer to a lot of the questions you're being asked. Why might that be? By the way, it it all sounds about 10% more interesting and smarter probably coming out of his mouth with his accent. That's true. Um, if I could do a better Graham Northern Ireland accent, I would, I would hear <laughs> chime in at this point, but I don't, you know, <laughs> didn't want to, but he's going to wade into those waters too deep. Someone also, sent me the audio of it. So you can read, you can actually hear the audio. If you 
he's also all over the place. He's like, that's the whole have your cake and eat it situation. If I'm ever never allowed to play another golf tournament on the European tour, will I be surprised? No, I will be disappointed, but I won't be surprised. It is difficult because this is such a competitive threat to the biggest tours in the world, the PGA Tour and the European Tour. It's a competitive threat. They obviously don't believe in their product well enough to be able to give the players the choice because they feel like if they do give the players the choice, they're going to lose 48 of the best players in the world straight away. And to that, it's Which, some of the product stuff. Yeah, you're right on the money. Like the to- you're forcing the tour's hand to, to improve. They're trying to improve. They're trying to catch up. They've, you know, they're playing. They they certainly are playing catch up. Like, yeah, I think he's got a. That's a valid point there. It is, but it's also explaining exactly why they're banning people. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he also says it says a lot about how financially lucrative this is, and there's obviously a lot of good things about the opportunity in 14 events and the team element, all the things that are different from the 72 hole slog that we play week in, week out. It is a fantastic slog, though. The PGA Tour is the best tour in the world. <laughs> okay. Uh, we all want to coexist, but we know that at the minute, there's no way that can possibly happen. You take the top 48 players in the world for 14 weeks a year, it's pretty tough for the PGA Tour and the European Tour to be able to suck that up and be able to have their product operate at the same level. Yeah, again, probably explaining why there's a lot of backlash from your peers, a lot of these things. Uh, is there a, fe- a question? Is there a feeling? Have you sold your soul to the devil? Of course, people are going to have that opinion. Question again, do you feel a little bit of guilt inside that, look, I, I really couldn't turn it down? Graham said, I've played golf all over the world for, you know, countries that if you dug deep enough, you might think, what am I doing playing golf there? You could have that conversation so many times in so, uh, in so many ways over the last 20 years. And the question is, the moral thing, low-hanging fruit. He goes, we've been all over the Middle East and all over Asia. This has just been completely blown out of proportion. And then just continues on. Again, in those term. are like individual events that you can either show up for or not. Right. And again, you have the option to do that you also chose to do. Like, it's not like any of this has been forced on you in any way. I'm going to tell you some of what's going on here. As a person who spent 20 years interviewing athletes, all right? Graham has spent a lot of time being pretty charming and pretty engaging with journalists. And he was thought of someone who was like, you know, who's a good quote? Like, I got to write a Rory story. Who can I go to? Let me go to Graham. He'll play ball. Yeah, yeah, he'll play ball, spin his yarn, was always sort of polite, friendly, whatever. And I think he feels like I promise you, he feels part of the reason he feels hurt is he feels like there should be some sort of like, you know, investment in that. Like that he has put he has put in good time with a lot of journalists and, and he has gotten used to having a reputation as a good guy, as a smart quote. And now he is wounded because that has flipped in some ways. It's to see negative things written about him is stings worse than if you're someone who has been sort of, you know. Like this, Patrick Reed would never give this interview, right? Because he doesn't, like, he isn't going to feel like, hey, man, the expectation was that, like, I, you liked me, right? That you guys were were sort of friendly with me for all this time. And, and you know, I, I feel in some ways for Graham in the larger macro sense because he, I think, thought he could sort of talk his way through some of this. Yes. Stuff. He's the guy who sort of was, like, willing to kind of engage of, like, you know, hey, the, the Khashoggi thing, we all know that was repensable. Uh, and you know, good. yeah, it's okay. Uh, <laughs> and DJ, you know, wasn't going to sit here and say, and use that words or talk about like Graham was trying to sort of have it both ways. Right. To say like, Hey, you know, we're, we're proud to help you. He, I think he thought that people would be like, you know what? Graham makes some good points on this stuff. Like he, yeah, I understand. Like I may not agree with this, but at least, and so, you know, to see like Eamon drag him around, uh, I think is probably 
really sort of stung in a ways because he's never been dragged like this in his career and so he's kind of like working through this as a like a therapist in some ways you know <laughs> this stuff and to see is like his hometown paper how dare the the belfast paper rip me like that so my family has to read that well you know that's what happens when like athletes make that's what the know, money's for yes. decisions. that's yeah. what they've the, bought your words like that's why like yes. the more you say like that's why phil stands up there and looks like an idiot not saying anything because they've Correct. bought his words like that's what the money's for and graham said in there he's like i wish i would have just gotten in a press conference like the brooks yeah. patrick uh the, the uh, perez pat perez yeah. one you know I, I literally am leaving out so much stuff, but there's still a lot to get to here because he does not stop going. When asked about his legacy, McDowell said, in the short term, it's tainted because the narrative is so negative. Eventually, that narrative will have to change. How many top players are going to have to play in this thing and create a product to where you guys will start talking about the golf? A lot. Uh, <laughs> like that's, literally, again, explaining sports watching. And then he goes, I get it. The amount of shit that's been written about me the last six weeks, it's something I've never had to deal with in my golfing career before. Question, it's the price. You've used the word hurt. And he says, of course, it hurts my feelings. Like I said, I wish I had kept my mouth shut in London. <laughs> but I'm going to talk a lot in this interview. That's not me. Uh, but I'm just going there trying to do my job for an organization, the Live Golf organization, that are trying to sell a story. They are trying to change the narrative to what it is the narrative that we want to take, which is that it's about the golf and it's about a new, just a new product for the fans. Trying but, to sell <laughs> a story. But I mean, we're so <laughs> focused on, you know, the negativity surrounding the Saudi Arabian regime, end quote. Hey, why can't we just talk about how much money we're making? Like, that's the real story here, guys. <laughs> and then he gets on and he starts talking about how shitty he's played the last few years and how he's, he's you know, it's, it's ground him down to where he's tired of being... And, you know, outside the top 125 on the PGA Tour and da 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 So he's basically like, yo, like, I'm not good enough to grind out there anymore. So, like, I'm just going to cash my chips in now, man. Yeah. So it that was I just uh, every every single thing in this uh, complaint of his could be answered by. Yeah, that's what the money is for. Yes. Like you, you feel your feelings are hurt. That's what the money is for. Like you feel like your reputation has been like harmed or whatever. Your people in at home in Belfast have to read negative things about you. That's what the money is for. Like you chose to take the money and I don't begrudge you for taking the money. Like go get paid, go never have your kids have to worry about anything ever again. But you don't, I, the idea that like there weren't like strings attached to the money or that wasn't like, <laughs> or they weren't going to be critical of it. Or that, or Come that on, his man. status as a major winner and a nice guy is going to supersede. Like, you know yeah. what? This is a super negative, toxic conversation I'm about to wade into here. You know what? I'm a good guy. People are definitely going to understand that. Yeah. I could run circles around <laughs> these people. Totally. Yeah. It. I, I would love else? to sit down and have a, a debate with him. I would, and if, look, if he's listening, I would love to hear him sort of say, you know, here's, here's why I think Greg, excuse me, uh, Graham, you're not really thinking through the other sides of this. And here's some of the people I've talked to and, and have a full, like, look, if you wanted to have like an actual debate about it, I'd be totally up for it. But I don't sure. think he's like, doing any of that and that's okay like he doesn't have to he, that that's what the money is for <laughs> again he can be whatever he wants to be so I, I just feel like there's some of it the complaining to me is sort of a little bit hollow because you got paid for a reason and it was to take a lot of crap so that saudi arabia doesn't have to take as much crap so that you're a shield for a lot of this stuff yeah, what did you think this outsized amount of money was for? It's like not for your current golf talent. <laughs> you don't have to explain that to us. Like, of course, yeah, well, I'm not. My career's on the on the downside, and you know, it was a, a great lucrative opportunity. Like, you don't have to explain that part to us. Like, we get that part. Just like you don't have to also try to explain to us what the money is for, because we can see what it's for. So, 
Uh, Last thing I had was Billy Ho. Do you want to you want to listen to that part? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> do it. There's a lot of guys are that are are hypocrites that aren't telling the truth, that are lying about some things that I just I can't stand to to sit here anymore and and be diplomatic about it as I have been in the past. I don't fault anyone for going to play the live tour. I don't have any ill will for anyone going to play the live tour. I have ill will towards the comments that they've made. Comments saying that Jay Monahan doesn't listen to the PJ Tour. The PJ Tour doesn't listen to us. Jay Monahan and everyone at headquarters is the PJ Tour. They work tirelessly for us to to for us to reap the financial rewards and have all the opportunities we have. At the same time, I am one of 200 plus members of the PJ Tour. I am the PJ Tour, just as two other 100 members of PJ Tour. So when you're taking shots at the PJ Tour, you're taking and Jay Monahan, you're just not taking shots at them. You're taking shots at us. And to say that they don't listen is a complete farce. It really is. They can't listen. If they listen to everything, every 200 plus players on the PJ Tour said, our tour would be a complete mess. We wouldn't even have a tour. And so it's ridiculous to hear some of these comments some of these guys made saying, well, you know, you know, this allows me to play less tournaments. I've played 30, 35 weeks a year. No one's forced you to play that many events. The PJ Tour says 15 events minimum. You, if you, all you have to do is play 15 events. If you keep your card in those 15 events, then that's fine. You don't have to play. If you want to play it better or you want to play more so you get a chance to win the FedEx Cup, so be it. So be it. No one's made you play that first playoff event to go to miss family obligations. No one has. We are, yes, we're independent contracts. We do sign a contract with the PGA Tour that requires us to meet certain requirements of the PGA Tour. But we, we have the opportunity to make our schedule. So to say that we have to play X amount of events and they don't have time off, no one makes you. I'm on the road for five weeks. I've not seen my family for three weeks. I'm not, you know, I haven't seen them for... Three, the last three weeks wasn't at the U.S. Open, didn't see him in Germany. I stayed over here for London for a week. I'm not seeing him this week. I'm not seeing him that week for next week. So five weeks. But that is my, that's what my wife and I decided. That's what, when we laid our schedule out, it just worked that way. I made that decision to not see my wife and kids for five weeks. Am I crying about it? No. I understand. I'm living my dream trying to play golf professionally and support my, my family financially. And so I'm just tired of this, these comments. Like, go play your Live Tour and forget about the PJ Tour. You didn't want to support the PJ Tour going forward. Don't tell me you're going to play Live when they go to 14 events and then go play 15 events on a PJ Tour and play in 29. That's not a smaller schedule. You're not playing less. He loves saying PJ Tour. He said a lot of tour in there. Good on Billy, though. This was... I lifted the fatwa. Yeah. That was... he. he uh, I did not expect it to come from Billy in terms of the, one of the best. Just lay it out there and speak directly and fired up and... Throw some emotion behind it, but that was uh, hard to disagree with much of anything he said in there. He was so excited to get that chance to just <laughs> tee off on that. I mean, he, he, I, he, that's like a, I've been practicing this in the rearview mirror, the, my car on the way to the course thing. As soon as somebody asks me anything, I'm going in on this. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like getting the getting the chance to to you know. Max was talking about that on our pod, yeah. like getting the chance to mm-hmm. to stick up for your colleagues and your tour a little bit, right? Like you know, taking matters into your own hands. No, I give him credit. I mean, I think he's, you know, he's he's the true, he's the one true, you know, town crier out there. Like he's he better be sounding the alarm. He better be calling people out. But yeah, I thought it was a good impassioned defense, and and 
you know, certainly some direct fire at uh, Pat Perez there. That's about all I've got for this past week on the live front. Um, anything else we, we need didn't get to? Uh, I'm hearing word that the uh, the Rich Harvest Farms location, like the like some of the greens are just straight up dead, <laughs> which is sick. Yes, sick. And then the the Boston event, I'm very curious on that one. That's such a bad course. Yeah, it doesn't seem to bother them so far with the quality of the course. I mean, last <laughs> like like watching it last week, I actually like it wasn't like the TV product was fine. It wasn't horrible. Like. I, now, granted, it's like it's all played in a vacuum and it doesn't actually mean anything outside of the money, right? But like, I don't, you know, like it, there's some good things to glean from it. Just to not be entirely negative about it, the, the fan experience for people is good, right? It is, it is sort of enjoyable for them. I, I don't think these are like diehard golf fans, and that's okay. Like maybe golf should find ways to appeal to that sort of crowd that really just yeah. wants to roll out there and be like, all right, we're here for four hours. We know where DJ and Phil are going to be. We know what we can drink $5 beers or whatever. We know we can sort of enjoy this. Like I think if you're on site, it's actually a pretty good experience. And the, all those people will come away being like, yeah, who cares, man? What's, what's wrong with the live tour? And you know what? Good for them. Like, I don't, I don't begrudge them that I, I think it's going to be interesting when some of these places in there. I mean, what, what's the experience going to be like in, in Riyadh or whatever, when they play or the Jetta when they play there, that's, Is that's no- gotta be, I, I am kind of fascinated by that. I actually would love to cover it that because i think it would be really interesting i'm or not sure i'd be allowed in, in or out of the country but your phone's gonna get pegasus on it if you go to Jeddah. i don't i would not do that uh, or or next year when it's you know it's the eighth event of the year and these guys are when it does flip to now we're no longer in recruitment phase now we're going to get our money's worth out of this that's when it's going to get interesting right now Play, the answer to every question the players are asking of them, the answer is yes. Can my wife come do this? Can we do this? Can we do that? And it's yes to everything. There's idea, any idea that they're flowing in, like they can get turned around very quickly. They're not a static organization. And objectively, they have gotten a lot right. The whole thing has run way smoother than I would have given them credit for going yeah. into the first event. I mean, they've gotten even from ra- event one to event two, like yes. cleaning a bunch they of got stuff. The, up. The, the leaderboards looked a lot better. The everything just flowed a lot better. And there's dude, like the podium is an incredible idea. Great idea. Objectively, if it wasn't, you know, if we didn't have other, a lot of issues with Norman, like him tossing out beers to fans, like who is not having fun with that? Like all yeah. of that works. I think it, where I still just like net out is that, at best, we're again. I always fall back on this. Like, at best, we're going to get a fractured golf world because of like where the money comes from and like what what it is they're doing. And so it's hard to like get super amped about like these golf exhibitions. It's the same reason I don't watch the American Century Championship. Like, I, just because golf is being played doesn't make it an interesting golf event from yeah. what I enjoy out of watching golf. So, the American Century you, is the the least interesting <laughs> thing like on TV every year. If you are a caddy. Live has been like the greatest thing yes. to come around in, in a long time. Because I, I don't think I shared this last time we were talking, but the night that I was uh, like writing my last uh, live story from London, I was in the the hotel where um, the all the caddies were staying, and the bar was like totally like you know open bar for all live caddies who had all their expenses paid and a lot of their families like you know their wives brought in or whatever, and they were like just you know pulling full bottles off there and drinking you know expensive bottles of wine and they were all like this is like midnight and i'm sitting here trying to file it's actually a great scene i wish i had put in the story they're all singing like don't look back in anger by oasis and so the whole bar is like just full of caddies like singing and i'm just like man 
how could you not want to be a part of this if you were a caddy if you didn't have any moral qualms with it because like this is a much better than staying two to room to in a red roof inn to try to sort of scrape together you know a budget to get to the next city whatever and hope that your player makes the cut like i i they're they the caddies that got to be sharing with other caddies like dude convince your player to go because this is an absolute like you know smorgasbord of free shit to grab onto well and straight up like if i was a player that wasn't one of the most competitive players in the world this would be an incredible it looks fun it looks legitimately mm -hmm. fun like team golf and this this entire concept there is so many positives to it like for them individually like why wouldn't you want to go do this like i think it's hard going to get harder and harder for guys to not go do it like abe answer carlos ortiz like that makes all the sense in the world it really does i think at some point some australian guys are going to go like because that's the other thing like the pga tour has fucked golf in australia right like with you yeah. know just as far as like the, the way that things are scheduled and the way it's tough for those guys to get back now and and and, you know, there's been some other factors, but, like, guys that aren't, you know, from the U.S. don't have as much allegiance to the PGA Tour. And, right. like, you know, Hideki's a big name that's rumored out there. And I think Hideki's probably the rare case where, like, he means a lot more to live than he means to the PGA Tour, right? Because I feel like he means a lot to the PGA because, Tour. Because I feel like the Tour doesn't, like, the Tour doesn't do a great job of monetizing in Japan and monetizing... Who knows how much they're bringing in in international rights, though, just based off him, though. That's that's where it's, like, hard to divide. It, it, I think losing Hideki would be a weirdly devastating blow to them, not necessarily for, but, for fans, but monetarily yeah. it seems. And I don't know what that m amount is, but there's got to be a reason why there's 10 Japanese media at every event that he's at and that, that there's money in that for, for those media organizations and uh, the number that I heard this week for Hideki that they're offering him to come is would I mean it's like what what Rory was sort of being dangled four hundred like, just nuts yeah really yeah <laughs> I mean I don't who knows what whether that's just part of the rumor reel or whatever but like you know if you could say to Hideki like hey come and then put together a whole Japanese team of you know your four guys like I, that's where like I do think the team element of this stuff has real legs like that yeah. could be super fun if yes. you had like a team of guys that were like hey these yeah, i love rooting for these dudes or some of the names are are dumb obviously but like i mean you know, like every, all, all the names are dumb <laughs> <laughs> yeah every third week if on like let's say you go back in time and the you know the pgl stuff had happened right and you could have had like oh rory and jt and tiger have a have a team that they're putting together and you know whoever that fourth is going to be like there would be real like fun invested sort of in like rooting against them or rooting for them or that sort of, you know, Hey, you're, you're playing up against your own teammate this week, but next week you guys like, you know, some of what Taylor Gooch said was like freaking ridiculous, but there is sort of an element of like the team stuff would be cool. I'm a, yes. I'm a huge you know believer in the team stuff and have been since we talked to, you know, Andy and the PGO guys initially, like, yeah. I think it's a, it's a no brainer. I still, yeah, I, I struggle to marry, you know, my thoughts on Liv not being very competitive or, you know, OWGR, all that stuff with also my belief in, in the PGL. But I think it, um, that's a, a conversation we are not having currently. I'd, I'd have to think that one through in terms of how how a, a full-on landscape change would look um, and make sense. But How many Japanese guys do you think there are in the top 100 in the world right now? Five. Seven. How many can you name? 
let's not do this. <laughs> this is, you, you just pulled the mic one where you were like, I will not, I will not answer that question. <laughs> I refuse to entertain Are they that. Jay Monahan? You know two. You know that two. was Monahan, excuse me. It was Maybe two. Yeah, how, many, how many women's golfers can you name? I will not entertain. Adeto Tanahara? Tanahara's not. Okay. Um, Tanahara's 199. Who falling else? Falling quickly. Uh, Riku, Rikuya, Hoshino, Kazuki Higa, <laughs> Yuki Inamori, Shugo uh, Imihara, Takumi Kanaya, Ryosuke, Kinoshita, and then yeah. Hideki, obviously. But uh, some manipulation going on. <laughs> but um, we're going to do our preview pod, but I'll just ask you this uh, KVV, does Tiger wave from the Spoken Bridge this week? I don't think so. I, I think he doesn't like the finality of things right. i think that there's not going to be like a hey i'm going to put my foot up on the edge of the bridge take my hat off and wave because i think he probably wants to sort of entertain the idea of like doing this if he feels good like here and there you know yeah, he might so, not play yeah, so good. he might not be great at st andrews when he's 52 or whatever next time it comes around but he might also want to reserve the right to play i don't think he's going to like shut the door and he yeah. also doesn't want to ask answer a hundred questions afterwards about oh is this it were you done retired like you know there's all those speaking of more dumb rumors there's dumb dumb rumor that he's going to like have a retirement press conference afterwards i cannot imagine anything that tiger would, would want to do less than have a retirement press conference in saint andrews uh and sort of answer all the questions from like you know and and completely detract from the championship maybe if like he's just driven the green and he has a three-shot lead and he can scoop three it. putt from there <laughs> yeah scoop it but like i could see then maybe a little wave of like hey this is it i don't need to play anymore i'm good i'm done but other than that like no way yeah it would be the ultimate rip cat i think there's a good chance this is his last open at the old course a very good chance but i also don't yeah. think he'll do the wave um and I remember watching him finish up on, I think it was Saturday, um, which was his round two, or maybe it was it was um, when they actually went out and played Friday. Watch him finish up uh, at the old course in 2015, thinking like, this might be it. We might not ever see him here again. And sure enough, almost, you know, never saw him there again. But uh, I think it's a very good chance it's his last one. Did he just get totally zooted on this Ireland trip and at the at the Pro-Am? I mean, like he, he's looked kind of like shit the last couple days i know he, he looks so stiff on saturday I, I just, and sunday he, and then like maybe you know maybe he's gonna do a bunch like uh, honestly i hope he does because i think just like randy always says i think everybody's on everything so like maybe he's just gonna do a bunch of blood spinning on like monday and you know his whole you know hgh regimen or whatever he does is you know, kicks <laughs> allegedly him, kicks allegedly <laughs> kicks him back into gear you know for this week or whatever i don't know i <laughs> he's I, I, what I think too, though, like the idea of, of him never playing the old course again, it also still strikes me as a little bit much because, like, what if like Charlie wins a USAM, like when he's 18, that five years from now or seven years from now, whatever, and he decides, hey, you know what, like, I want to play in the, I want to play at St. Andrews with Charlie. Well, I think I, that's I different, like, though. Like, it would be, he doesn't like close the door, right? Like, maybe I, I just don't think Tiger closes doors like that. Right. He might say, yeah, you know, whatever. Like, I'm, he might, the whole idea too of like, he's not a ceremonial golfer. He's never been one of, you know, he says that stuff, but like things change. Tiger's changed a lot in terms of his personality over the course of the last 20 years. Like, he might, when he's 55, be like, yeah, you know what? I kind of want to just go out there and have fun. Like, I, I'm not obviously not going to win, but like Tom Watson did it. Jack did it. I'm, I'm going to do it just for fun. Like, maybe the USJ will pair me with Charlie or maybe the, RNA will pair me to Charlie. Who knows? I mean, I mean, shit. Maybe he goes and plays the Dunhill with with Charlie one of these mm. years. Yeah, you know? 100%. Um, 
It God, I'm so excited. It looks so like it's dialed. It look it looks so firm. Like guys crispy. Talking like like talking to the guys, they're like, dude, it's like I can't even describe how firm it is. Like guys are yeah. are getting within fifty yards of the green on seventeen. I mean guys are hitting five irons into into eighteen. It's crazy. All right, we gotta save some stuff for the preview because we got so much to talk about. It's gonna be one of the great Great weeks of our uh, uh, since we've been covering golf. This is going to be a, one of the great ones. I, I've never yeah. been more. I don't know if I've ever been more excited for a for a golf tournament than this one. And, and for the cock, too. It's oh, going to be all, all over the. Cock, Let's not right? throw a, da- a cold wet blanket on this thing right now. TC, KVV. Who do you think? Who's your pick? At this he said point? Max. Uh, I mean, I I did say Max. Yeah, I want to stick with it. Right, like okay. Max. He likes appreciates links golf. A great iron player. Good putter. Uh, you know, you don't have to drive it like unbelievable at the old course. Like, uh, I, I feel like just be a great ball striker and and use your creative thinking mind. I mean, I, Cam Smith would be like my backup just because uh, he's playing really well lately, and it's a course that suits really, I think, well for him. But uh, yeah, who's your pick not to win? I, something's missing with Rom. So I'm gonna say Rom's not gonna win. Come, like uh, it, you know, just whether it's temperament or whether it's just you know, finding the putting stroke again or whatever. Like he, I thought every, we all thought he was going to kind of be an ass kicker this year and it just hasn't been there. And so I'm not sure, you know, it's got to figure it out. Got to figure out something to get back to where he was because he's too good of a player to be not really contending like this. Well, I can't wait. I'm sorry. We're not there, bud, uh, to go out till three o'clock in the morning again, like we did the last time, but uh, we'll have to make plans to do that in 2027. So by the way, (laughs) Barbasol, Yes, Trey Molnax wins. Trey Molnax, birdie's the last to win uh, by one over. So glad we could get that in. Kevin Streelman and then uh, Mark Hubbard, Hurley Long, uh, Vince Whaley, and uh, our guy Adam Svensson finished solo sixth. Uh, I do want to give a shout out to Justin Lauer, shot 66 66 on the weekend to finish T8. How about that? He managed to close us out with a going down the leaderboard, KVV. He's, he's an absolute expert. He's class act. So. Shout out to, you know, Justin, he and I got into it on uh, Twitter way back during when I wrote the JT uh, uh, right. Rory column. And uh, and look, hey, he, he was, was right. right. So <laughs> shout out to you, Justin. Like, hopefully one day you'll be great enough that I'll be able to you know write you off in a major. <laughs> I love it. I give it, give it, just, I didn't get it. Just, I obviously, uh, uh, this is the first time on since JT was on, but I just want to say thanks to JT for not uh, dragging me around the room in the pod. And he was very, very classy, very kind. It was, uh, you know, may not know my name, but uh, he <laughs> did say how much he appreciated me uh, owning basically up. taking my medicine and saying, you know, I, I couldn't figure figure out if he had sort of said he, he we said, I wish I would have handled that differently if I had known it was him who wrote that column. If he meant like he would have been more playful and funny about it very many would have like dunked me in the, in the toilet and laughed at me or whatever but either way it would have been fine because he you know you're owed that when someone writes a column about you and you get to uh kind of be playful in return so that's that's all part of the game well, uh, so, well somebody so, should yeah. should dunk him in a toilet for the hat that he wore today or, <laughs> that was or, yesterday or yesterday with the cat that was tough it was bad it was a tough look didn't see, so. it. Didn't see it oh that was that the old course hat that yeah looked like the uh yeah not I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna go there. Okay. I can't, I'm not gonna be critical of him for a while. He's, <laughs> <laughs> clearly, clearly, I, I just need to be all pro JT in the in, from now on. So, all right, KBV, thanks for joining again, man. Uh, enjoy a great week, and uh, we'll be back with live shows all week and back with the preview podcast out uh, early in the part of the week as well. So, cheers, everyone. Have a great week. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
Better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! Expect anything different?